0: I am Rachel, and um, I play Rachel in House of Cards, and uh, the world's an ugly place, guys. <laughs> and you are listening to Below the Belt.
1: The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down.
2: here <laughs> don't say that never say that Coies never say die
3: wax on black smoke
2: man here
4: Yeah, that's right, guys. It's time for another episode of BTV Below the Belt in the Mother of the House. I'm your host, Al Soto, aka Celebrity Soto, your host with the most here for your weekly pleasure. My gosh, we have an incredible show for you per usual from top to bottom. Well, let's go ahead and start by introducing our guest co-host for this evening, guys. He is journalist extraordinaire. He is Dean On The Scene Rogers from The Rogers Review. What's up, Dean? Hey,
5: hey, hey, what's going on? I can't believe we're on a Thursday this time instead of a Wednesday. It's kind of That's weird, you know?
4: Right, it's a little weird, it's a little off, but you know what? It was all due to the 4th of July holiday uh, being on a Tuesday, and it kind of threw a lot of people off, having that holiday right in the middle of the week, and it kind of threw B2B off. Mm-hmm. Uh, which typically we've been uh, po- podcasting on Tuesdays. Uh, and of course, Wednesday being the day after the holiday. And that is not a good day for the Zod man himself, General Zod, due to his improv. So here we are on a Thursday, <laughs> recording here on BTV. But nonetheless, uh, Dean, good to have you on BTV. It's
5: good to be back once again. Love this place. Yeah,
4: absolutely. Now, Dean, uh, you had a quite an amazing 4th um, of July. <laughs> covering an exclusive event yes capital fourth uh which takes place in dc at the mall i've attended as a spectator two a years ago but now uh, are you used to call you you have an uh, interesting term you call it civilian <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> aka yeah. regular people right? You,
5: especially since you know, when I'm not doing any press or doing any reporting, I'm a civilian, just like everyone else on the entire planet. But when I'm press, I'm reporter, I'm editor-in-chief, I'm everything in between, you know?
4: <laughs> well, tell us about your experience and who you talk to, please.
5: Wow. I mean, this is the – I cannot believe I'm saying this the eighth consecutive year – that we covered oh. a capital fourth. In fact, I remember the first time I covered a capital fourth, I was just a newlywed back then. I was just a few weeks into my former marriage. I would say that on the air.
4: Former but, marriage.
5: Yep, yeah. but it's- No longer your sweetheart. So, no longer my start. sweetheart. She's in another state, another town, another county, but that's another story. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is was the 43rd annual event and it was amazing the guest list was exciting in fact one of the people i got to talk to was the man himself who is the ep of a capital fourth is michael colbert and when i talked to him especially what were some of the highlights that was going to happen for this year's event in 2023 he said quote we got something for everyone whether you're nine or 90 years old look out we got legends like belinda carlisle boys wow Babyface, the band wow. Chicago, Charles Esten, Addie and Tate, Dave Fleming, and from and a couple of people from Sesame Street. We're talking about Elmo, and we're talking about the Cookie Monster. But the creme de la creme is always the host, because unlike the um, Sistership National Memorial Day concert, which always features the two amazing hosts of Joe Mantegna and Gary Sinise, they always choose a different host for a capital Four, And this year, they have the pleasure of bringing Alfonso Ri- Ribeiro to the show.
4: You know what? And I, I commented on your uh, social media, did you do the Carlton dance for Alfonso? Because for some reason, I think that, Dean, you could probably do a pretty good Alfonso Ribeiro Carlton dance. I'd probably of
5: good, but no, I'm not going to do that to him since he's the host, and I'm sure he's been asked and demonstrated to people too many times, but, you know...
4: probably been asked during that day, I'm sure, some of the people... That's the well, the
5: I got a reputation. I'm not going to risk it. So among the guests that <laughs> I got. a more below to
4: the belt talk- style than Roger's review style, right?
5: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I got to, uh, among the guests that I got to talk to, I got to talk to one of our local guests who's actually went on to Great Better Things. You know him from Whose Line Is It Anyway? You know him oh, from wow. Nashville on, N- on ABC, not NBC, different network. And he's now on Outer Banks on Netflix. And that's the wonderful Charles Eston, who also country music greatness. And I asked him, especially since um, one of the questions I asked him, especially since he's originally from Alexandria, Virginia. That's where he grew up. And I asked him the question that you have been to the event in your youth and now you're performing. And I wanted to know how does it feel to be on the other side that you're not spectating you're not watching you're hosting and he right. said hard to explain it's like going through the looking glass because you know you're like everybody else i'm in the audience for all these years to be on the other side of the ropes on the inside on the on the stage singing the closest thing i can compare it to is my very first acting job on cheers i was like i had a very small role in the last season but when i got to walk through the cheers door so to come to the back side of that thing this show you've seen a thousand times the other direction yeah, that's what it feels like, and uh-huh. it's amazing. Cool. And I'm gonna do a quick plug for him because I know he wants it. Because he's even though he lives in Nashville, he is actually coming back home to Alexandria to perform at the Birchmere. He's coming on November 11th at 8 p.m. So if you guys want to see your hometown hero, Mr. Charles Eston, November 11th at the Birchmere.
4: it's also I, Veterans Day, isn't it?
5: I believe it is. I believe
4: it yeah. Is. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're off that day. Go, go, go check it out.
5: Exactly. And another person I got to talk to was Ruthie Ann Miles, who's on Broadway. She's in Here's My Love, but currently she's playing the Beggar Woman in Sweeney Todd, the barber. You know, the barber, or everything. <laughs> but one of the questions I got to ask her, especially, oh my goodness, I forgot the question, and I was coming back to you, there. There it go. That it's been 43 years since the program. What would you say to people who have never seen a Calvin Fork? And she gave a wonderful answer. She said, I've seen the lineup. I don't know if the lineup is going to be announced, which was announced to the public, but I've seen the lineup and it spans just as wide as our countries and just as the first as our country show is this lineup. We go from east to west, north to south, and we go deep into different times of music different ages it's just different colors of america and i'm also honored to be part of that lineup but it's going to be a night you won't forget and it was a night you won't forget because she sung the national anthem and when it comes to broadway talent when they sing the national anthem it brings tears to your eyes and speaking of broadway actions another actress i got to talk to is adrian warren who played tina turner and won the Tony Award for playing Tina in Tina, the Tina Turner oh, wow. musical.
4: Sadly, we lost Tina recently, which is yeah. very, very and, tragic. So,
5: And I got to ask her, well, what was it like to work with Tina on this musical? And she told me that Tina mentored her to make sure she does the role perfectly. And oh, she felt wow. like she lost a great and lost like, a great person, and it was so honored that she won the Tony Award for Best Actress in a Musical that year. So it, it felt, and plus, this is the same woman who was in The Woman King with Viola Davis. She was in that movie, and she played Mamie Till Mobley in, a, I think it was a Netflix series at one point, or Netflix series or a limited series. But, yeah, the talent was so amazing, especially when I got to talk to people I've talked to. I've talked to Charles Essen for the second time. I talked to Renee Fleming for the third time. And we're like old buddies now, Renee and I. And especially, as you all know, she is one of the five recipients for the Kennedy Center Honors 2023. Nice. So it's great to talk to her after winning that award. And she also is a goodwill ambassador for the World Cor- The world health organization the goodwill ambassador for arts and health and to talk to her about that experience it's amazing and all by the way you can all see those interviews on our youtube channel at rogers review 09 there's the
4: plug there's the plug yeah. <laughs> but i want to introduce uh, my host extraordinaire that's right he is backed by popular man ladies call him zadi he's also the yes, sure. Persian prince of pop culture He's also the man with the calming presence. Sometimes when he doesn't, you know, unless he doesn't get back to you, <laughs> sometimes he's the ghost with the calming presence.
3: Well, you know, uh, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a good sense of balance because if I was too calming, people would get complacent. So in this way, yeah. it, uh, it brings there it back. And I'm Ladies foolish. And of I am, I, was, uh, I was. I was. I am. I sincerely apologize for ghosting you for four days al and uh well, we don't
4: have having... to air our, our laundry here on btb but nonetheless you know, ladies and gentlemen is... he is mike the general Zod. i was trying to get to... <laughs> Zod, hey. uh, good, to ha- good to have you back on btb
3: it is absolutely a pleasure to come back i got to hear all the uh, all about dean's amazing fourth uh adventures on the fourth and, and i am Captain more than a little jealous
4: <laughs> We're a little jealous, but um, uh, on tonight's program, if you want to know what interviews you'll hear tonight from BTB, that's right, uh, starting with uh, f- supporting a fellow Filipina artist um, who did a great VR film called Mahal. Uh, mm-hmm. We have Michaela Ternaski-Holland, It was a great interview at the Tribeca Hub. Um, it's a great um, family VR animated um, short film which you experience through your VR um, device. Um, it takes you into this world of, of the Filipino mythology. And it's definitely, definitely worth a look. And um, our feature interviews, you're going to love this. This is our final interviews from Tribeca Film Festival. You know her from The Boys. You know her as Starlight. The beautiful and talented Erin Moriarty.
3: How can you not know her? Right? Yeah.
4: Right? <laughs> and, and the director of her film, patching dust Stuart that will be uh closing tonight's program those are our final final tribeca interviews to um play tonight and then we're going on into AwesomeCon con interviews and then after AwesomeCon con interviews in the cu- next couple of weeks shore leave interviews and shore leave is going to be a big event um here in the dmv area in front valley maryland in fact dean you're a fixture. You're a staple uh as far as a part of uh, being a uh on shore leave as not only um a journalist but also panelist, right? And you you uh Yeah you do, well, you do well, a lot well. of the um it's activities awesome. involved game with it.
5: show host and a panelist actually. So I hosted started hosting game shows that shore leave, I think around the mid I think two thousand fifteen or sixteen, something like that. Yeah. But i hosted a number of game shows, including I hosted a fandom feud i hosted sci-fi jeopardy for a number of years sci-fi squares but this year i'm going to be taking a break from the hosting just oh, this okay. time fans just are going to be disappointed but don't we worry Far point. we're going to have the game shows back
2: oh, okay gotcha
5: talent alone for surely 43 is amazing we have yes. four duos i'm a four star eight stars from four of your different shows. Let me start off with the first one. Yes, We have the 20th anniversary, I believe it's the 24th anniversary of Farscape. And this is the first time on the East Coast that both these stars are appearing together. And that's from Farscape, we have Claudia Black, and ben brother so this is their first time together on the east coast at this convention and for those who are attending shortwave you're gonna get an extra added bonus that for every ticket every day you have a ticket you will get one free autograph that's the free autograph session so when they announce the free autograph session you get one for ben and one for claudia so what a deal Yes, what is he? For all the civilians in attendance. All the civilians for only Ben and only Kanye and only during the autograph session. If you get it outside, you have to pay the normal fees for each of them. So that's the first duo. Duo number two.
4: We're celebrating. Before we go to that, Ben Browder actually had a role in Guardians of the Galaxy as Sovereign Admiral. Mm hmm. Yeah. Zod, and you said that he that was the part that was the gold people, right?
3: Yeah, right. that was the, the sovereign were the gold people, the golden people that eventually create Adam Warlock. But I don't think he's in um, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I think he's, he's in, in the, the
4: Guardians
5: first
4: of galaxy two. Two. He's in the Galaxy. Very, Very nice. Yeah. How cool. How cool. Continue, Dean.
5: Alright, so number two, we are celebrating the 20th two zero 0 anniversary of Battlestar Galactica. Nice. And we have a returning guest and a new guest returning to Shirley after many years. I think the last time he'd been here was two thousand seven because I was in Hawaii and I came back from Hawaii to be at the Shirley to make sure probably, I meet him.
4: You left Paradise in Hawaii. Yes. To be at Shirley. <laughs> yes. Well you probably you probably um scheduled it appropriately that your Hawaii trip wasn't cut short, right?
5: Probably, but hey it's okay. a, it was a trip And so the guy is Aaron Douglas Aaron Douglas, yes. Chief Tyrell is coming here We had a
4: great, great interview of Aaron Douglas From the Baltimore Comic Con So I'm glad that he's coming back He's a great guy
5: Awesome, and coming to show we for the very first time We have Grace Park who was also name. in Hawaii Five O, The recent review yes. on CBS And she was in a, Mil- a Million Little Things On ABC So she's been trans, great. transpiring the broadcasting world lately
4: Wow, that's the second big duo.
5: Yes, but we're not done. We're not done. Number three for Star Trek fans, you are not being left out because there are two, two Star Trek fans, two Star Wars actors. Oh my God, <laughs> two Star Trek actors. Oh
4: my God, is the shirt throwing you off the Star Wars shirt? <laughs> yes.
5: Okay, so there's two Star Trek actors, and if you're paying attention to my board, they're from this series, Star Trek Voyager. And they both happen to be named Bob, Robert. So we have Bob Picardo, the doctor, the EMH, you know to love and hate and enjoy all those years. And we have Bob Duncan Neal, Robert Duncan Neal, Tom Paris, who makes his living now as a director. So if you guys are a fan of Resident Alien on *Sci-Fi*, he directed a lot of shows, and now he's delving into a little bit of writing. In fact, I got a chance to interview both of them before the convention and you will definitely find those interviews on the rogers review as well okay. so that's the star trek so we're gonna go from the real star trek to the close to realness of star trek which is the orville and yes i will say that because i'm a star trek this fan, is
4: a, and I'm a show fan. i love dean and, and 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 zod if you have not seen the orville oh my god i love the Orville. i was you know I'm the, i wasn't the biggest star trek fan um to be honest but i loved seth MacFarlane's work and the family guy and all his other work, American Dad. So, obviously, Mm -hmm. it was easy for me to watch Orville. And now they just um, had season three last year on Hulu. But um, this is great. This is great. He has two great actors, part of uh, this.
5: Wonderful actors. So, the first actor, one of the best. I talked to him at Station Unity, the very first one. In fact, crazy enough, I talked to both of them at Station Unity, um, which is coming up in August, their third convention. So we got Peter Macon, Lieutenant Commander Boris, the chief security of the Moklin, the one who has an egg on the show. Yes. And what can we say? Baltimore is being represented. by yes. Penny Johnson, Gerald, Star- in the and C. Orville. So she is coming back to Baltimore, Eric, because she was here at Leave about two years ago, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Back in the area, in fact, her the character first time bags in
4: back- an Android, right? Second. Her character bags an Android, correct?
5: Yes. <laughs> I don't remember Don't remember now. But yes. Um, <laughs> in fact, this time I got to talk to Penny um, when before um, Station Unity. I was actually t- talking to her on when she was doing the filming for season three of The and that's like oh, yeah. rarity. It's like I cannot believe I'm talking. She's on the set right now. We're having a conversation, so that was very cool.
4: Very cool. But what do we know about season four?
5: As of right now, we don't know. According to what I read from Seth MacFarlane that he mentions, if it does well on Disney+, Plus, which I believe that's where it is right now, that will determine if there will be a season four or not. So, fans of the so. Orco. Support, watch, watch, watch. We got to watch. Keep
4: watching it on Hulu. Yeah, all three seasons are on Hulu, correct?
5: Absolutely. And we got eight guests, but there's two more. Two more. There's two more. So returning to the wonderful Shorewave, back by popular demand, back doing the convention circuit, the wonderful Bonnie Gordon, who is the third Star Trek actor in the universe to come to Shorewave. You've never seen her, but you hear her voice. She is the voice of the Protostar computer on the, um, sadly, recently canceled Star Trek Prodigy.
4: Yeah, that's unfortunate, because we recently talked to um, the Las Rockies, and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and uh, the young the young Las Rocky uh, was the voice of one of those characters, right?
5: Yeah, she was. She played Ruktok in the series. And, yes. and crazy enough, going back to um, a prodigy, uh, Chasen... Matsukas was actually in town last week because he was part of a comedy troupe called gravity water at the candy center and he was one of the improvisers in that show oh my gosh it was so amazing and to meet him afterwards it was family friendly and he said he really hopes that season two because as you're aware or unaware they did film and finish season two So right now they are shopping around. I told them I hope Paramount Plus carry assistance. It has every other Star Trek known, man. It was on Nickelodeon. And I believe just recently it was just nominated for an award.
4: It's the home of Star Trek. I mean, why wouldn't it be, you know? I mean, that's where all the fans have subscribed to to Paramount Plus is for the Star Trek content. And that includes Prodigy.
5: Absolutely. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get season two over there. So the final guest with um, Shirley is Elena Huffman. She was in yes. the Stargate series, and she was also in Supernatural.
4: She's very lovely. Yeah, she is. And so, take ticket- Smallville. Mm-hmm. I know Lance Black Canary in Smallville. Absolutely. So, I know God- that's Zod, Zod uh, point right there is someone that's in <laughs> <laughs> Smallville, right? Zod, I know you watched the Smallville,
3: didn't you? I did. I watched Smallville back in the day. <laughs>
4: yep. It was it
3: was it was pretty fun to see when they introduced all these other DC superheroes into it, and yeah, she was quite lovely,
4: quite yeah. lovely. And Zod, you're going to be in the house for uh, for um, shore leave, which is shore dash dot com. Uh, I believe it mm-hmm. will be in, in attendance as well. Yep. Um, oh, and I got one more thing. Either Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday is the plan.
5: Yep. Oh yeah, and also for those who attend the sistership of shore leave. Farpoint, which is in February at the same hotel. They have announced three of the guests already. And since, what? Al, you love the Orville, you may have to come to Farpoint because, boom, Jay Lee is coming to nice. Farpoint. And for those who miss and loved and enjoyed and watched back when we were all little kids, X-Men animated series, Cal Dodd. Whoa, oh, wow. Cal Dodd. There. What? The voice of Wolverine. I'm looking forward yes. to talking to him. And we also have Aaron McDonald, who is a science advisor yeah. or prodigy and some of the Star Trek series. She's going to be there. But if you attend truly, or they may announce this tomorrow or Saturday, they are going to announce their fourth and final guest. So, people. Pay attention. Log on to Farpoint because we're gonna have four amazing guests come February. So you do not want to. I mean, that's
4: in February, but Farpoint, it's I mean, is great. But Shore Leave is is just uh, around the corner. So uh, and uh, it's always a fun um, con run by fans, Dean. They they take feedback. And in fact, it's
5: one of the longest fan-run conventions in the world. It's been around for forty-three
4: yes yeah. both both below the belt show and roger's review have got some great great content from both farpoint con and shore leave and uh i look forward hopefully we get some good interviews i really want to talk to pretty much all the guests there we did talk to bonnie already so if we don't get bonnie it's okay we had her last year mm-hmm. but uh, everyone else we definitely want to talk to so I am uh, definitely
5: sure bonnie is going to talk to you guys again i have a feeling because let me tell you about bonnie when we first met her last year full of energy. so amazing. Loves. And she's now all over the convention circuit. In fact, I just saw her two months ago at the new Trek Long Island in Hopage, New York. And she is having a ball. She's coming to Shirley. She's going to be at the big Trek um, convention in Vegas next month. So her convention card is filled as far as I know. And she all right. loves the fans. And for those who are Teddy Shirley, she does an amazing show. So, you do not miss by She's
4: also a singer, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. so will definitely and talk to her. If
5: you, if you don't think you can find anything in Drew to truly that's untrue. Because they have a poker tournament dedicated to one of the young fans who was a good friend of mine who passed away many years ago, Robbie Greenberg, the Texas Hold'em tournament. They have karaoke night on Friday night, which is called Fixed Place Appropriately. They got the masquerade on Saturday night followed by the 10 forward party and they got plenty of panels everything from d space nine's 30th anniversary to talking about if orville is going to have a season four to talking about star trek legacy since the card ended season three and everyone is hyped and excited and hopefully there's going to be the series that follows the new enterprise g so there are many panels it's fan friendly if you want to join any of the um groups that come out there like the Cleon Assault group, like Starfleet International, so many groups that are looking for like-minded fans, no matter what genre, no matter what series, no matter if you're science fiction, fantasy, horror, or a combination of all three. Shortwave is one of the best conventions to go to. But if you want to go smaller, Farpoint is the next one, but go to Shortwave. You'll never regret it. Shortwave is one of those good, wholesome conventions yeah wherever
4: you are dmv pa new jersey new york any of the surrounding states uh, uh, get down shore leave it's shore dash leave.com the -hmm. official website so that was great that was great to to uh throw out the plug for shore leave but uh why don't we go ahead and segue into everything going on in the world of entertainment and dean you're going to be on with us for the first half we're going to talk everything in movies in the first half so Oh, yeah. uh, so let's let's talk about everything going on in the world of cinema. So here we go. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas.
1: That's off the chain.
4: All right. So, dude, I saw Indiana Jones. You know, uh, last night um, took advantage of. Uh, of the holiday week and uh, of course uh, i wasn't allowed to see indiana jones with my screen actors guild passed until the they have a little bit of um what do they call the blackout days until uh we can see it so effective yesterday on wednesday i was able to see it you know what it didn't have the greatest critic critics reviews but i really enjoyed the movie guys it was a great send-off for harrison ford um, it was the number one movie in the U S um, made between 80 and 85 million through the 4th of July holiday um, 68% on Rotten Tomatoes for critics. However, an 87% for the civilians, the fans. <laughs> so i like to call it. Um, and I kind of more side with the fans on this one. And usually I do for the most part. Um, I believe, am I the only one in the virtual room that's seen Indiana Jones? I believe um, you are. Unless I
5: uh, actually I actually got to see it myself. you got have to see it oh, too. Okay. Yeah.
4: Steen, would you would you concur that um would you be on more par with the critics or more par with the audience as far as your thoughts on the film?
5: Probably the same as for F the Critics. This was a good film. <laughs>
4: Set up the critics.
5: <laughs> I have I have to disagree with critics. I mean, even though Harrison Ford's up in age and you know, I do yes. have a thing about some stars continuing the roles years after (laughs) it's
4: It's 81 guys 81
5: what the first three times and then i was kind of worried about with um crystal skull because it was underwhelming it's like how will this film but it's like Okay, I can forget about Crystal Skull now. This is,
4: not, this is a good deal. I think some some critics actually like Crystal Skull better than, than uh, hey. Battle of Destiny. Yeah, but I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was a lot of great nostalgia. And I thought that Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Fleabag, as, as Paul calls her, well, that's her character on her show, Fleabag, fantastic job. She was great. She was a very powerful, uh, very strong character as the goddaughter of indy and um the only the only problem i had was that sidekick they had how in the heck does that kid know how to fly a plane not only fly a plane but fly a plane through the dial of destiny zone or whatever or time warp to get back into the you know the ancient uh what time period was that dean when they had the um battle of uh Whatever it was in BC some sometime t- yeah. two thousand years ago or so. See. Mm-hmm. Um that was a little far fetched. I mean, it's already far fetched that the dial of destiny allows them to time travel. Is this is the first time we're seeing time travel in the uh in yeah. the Indiana Jones um lore, think, right? So that was a little different.
5: Yeah, it was. It was a bit of a change, but you know, given the direction with James Mangold since um I love his film with Ford versus Ferrari. When the moment I heard seen that film, I've seen it a few times, it's like, damn, that's a good director. And he really yeah. did this with um, Dial a Destiny with the cast. I was very impressed with, especially Phoebe's role, Harrison's role, and Matt's, Milkinson, mm, man. That man could play a bad guy anytime. He could play a bad guy if I ever write a film. It's like, yeah, I want him as my heaven. I love
4: that guy. <laughs> wow um and this is the it. Yeah, this is it i mean that they made it a great definitive ending a send-off for harrison ford's character reuniting with um the woman um played his his wife right um karen uh, karen allen yeah yeah marion yeah marion thank you thank you marion like, that
5: you. is all the feels it's like wow to end yeah, that with marion from the beginning this was 81 here we are 42 years later, it's
4: like, oh. And it's great that she was able to prize a role. She still looks great. She still acts well, you know, because some people kind of stop acting, you know, when when they're brought back many, many years after, you know. But mm-hmm. that wasn't the case with Carol Allen. She did a great job. And yeah. um, overall, I was really, really pleased with the movie, you know. Well, um, definitely, again, I disagree with the critics because the, cr- the critics... Okay, look, now like,
5: I remembered about, I remember, it was the siege of Syracuse. Now, it just came to me.
4: Siege of Syracuse.
5: Yeah, two twelve, two twelve B.C. That's where I remember.
4: Right. hmm So yeah. Um. So um. Just the rest of the top five, really quick, includes um. Wow. So so Spider Verse is still going strong at the number two movie. Um. And uh. That that is just because that's been out for a while, which basically you take a flash. So it came out much later. Out of the top five, and 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 Spider Verse is still doing well. That Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, Mm -hmm. which added, um, yeah, an additional um, um, three million. Uh, It was a low box office weekend because of the holiday. It seems it's not 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 many people uh, go to the theaters. And uh, Elemental very close to that as well. uh, Added an additional three million on Monday Uh, as the number three movie. Jennifer Lawrence is no hard feelings, I do want to see uh, mm-hmm. an additional $2 million, Um And then Paramount's uh, Rise of the Beast, $1.7 okay, million, so.
5: I want to interject for a moment. The young actor who plays opposite of Jennifer Lawrence is actually going to be in Rent. In con- really? Coming up in um, a few weeks at the Candy Center at the end of the huh. month.
4: That's great, yeah. I mean, that's a, a very lucky young man to work opposite Jennifer Lawrence because he's a 19-year-old kid. And, you know, the, the movie had a little bit of controversy because he's an awkward 19-year-old kid who doesn't have much experience with women. And the helicopter parents, which I had to look that up, helicopter parents are, is what they describe in the description, are parents that are very, very... Yes, they, they are
5: very tied to their kid. That it's hovering them at hovering. Waking moment. If yes. you go to a school or work out of school, you will know who are helicopter parents in right. a
4: tent. right. Zod, are you a helicopter parent?
3: I am not, but um <laughs> I can say I can say that there I've definitely uh, I've definitely witnessed and experienced helicopter parents, so okay. yes.
4: Yeah, but um yeah, so they want their son to 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 date. And they hire um Jennifer Lawrence's character. <laughs> I
3: mean, you could do worse than him set him hard. you up <laughs> with uh, Jennifer Lawrence. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but,
5: you know the trope has been played before neuroscience. Yeah, helicopter parent parts. But you know, younger guy, teenage, awkward, haven't had any good relations yet, and then they hook him. He hooks up with an older woman, 35. late 20s, and, you know, it's always been seen over the years, especially the last 30 years or so. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, I mean, those kinds of storylines have fallen out of favor in the past, uh, I would say in the past, like, 10 years or so, but... it's always it's always nice to I mean considering the kind of controversy this uh, this movie did bring up and they're saying it's so inappropriate and all of this stuff and like people forget like you know that was a really basic trope in the eighties <laughs> yeah and uh,
5: can we name off the top of my head that's been a, that's been there you know
3: yeah I mean look at American Pie American Pie came out in the late nineties that was uh, and Everyone knows Stifler's mom. <laughs> and,
4: uh... <laughs> Indeed, man. But yeah, I definitely need to see No Hard Feelings um, for sure. But uh, really quick, ba- back to Dial of Destiny. Um, it, you know, even if it, was, if it was the number one movie, apparently, it still didn't really deliver strong box office numbers um, because it was a $300 million investment um and apparently disney apparently doesn't have the same box office draw based on the last few movies uh including ant man and the wasp quantum mania um elemental which is the recent animated film um which didn't do um as great that's the pixar film and dial of destiny despite again being the number one movie of the box office um it uh it still didn't make its its budget you know in the opening weekend but it probably will get to it the uh, it just seems like other duties are having a lot le- better luck like Warner brothers for instance so yeah but we will see we will see um and it's interesting um you mentioned uh, Harrison Ford's age dean that Tom Cruise actually said that he wants to keep going and doing his mission impossible movies until he's 80 years old just like Oh, and yeah,
5: The last thing we need to see Is an 80 year old Jumping off
4: Will he do His own stunts <laughs> the, the, at 81 <laughs> He's 20 doing years his insurance.
3: own stunts At almost 60 so
4: well, He's just... 61 already Zod
3: Oh he's 61 Tom, okay Tom, I think Tom
4: Cruise is 61 years old mm-hmm, yeah. And he's, he's definitely been Defying you know um, Age and uh, I don't know if it's Scientology
5: Insurance policies too because it's like Yeah See what? Yeah. See
4: what I cannot, I cannot shape. Does his own stunts. Yeah. I mean, it's it's wild.
3: I cannot believe any studio and his like, you know, his representation and all of that yes. allow him to do that. Like what? considering like he's such a cash cow. Like you know that could end with just one simple mistake.
2: <laughs> but, <laughs>
4: Especially that stunt that they pull in that trailer. <laughs> Have you seen the MI trailer where he it's, mm-hmm. he literally drives his motorcycle off a cliff? Yeah. Unbelievable that he did that himself. Holy smoke. So that's going to be like the big movie. Um, July is going to br- bring three tenth pole movies, including Mission Impossible. Um and Barbie with Margot Robbie and Oppenheimer. So those are the big uh, movies. Um,
3: I love the the fact that Barbie and Oppenheimer are opening on the same weekend. And yeah. it's been a it's been a meme going ar- across social media about people posting <laughs> about their day is going to be they wake up. They do like three buttons of peyote to watch Oppenheimer go back, and then and then like take five tabs of acid to go see Barbie. <laughs> <But all laughs> just the to, just the to neon get
2: neon
4: colors.
3: Yeah, yeah, just to get both sides, or like you know the extreme dour darkness of Oppenheimer compared to the absolutely ebullient sun sunlight of Barbie yes it is uh that's going to be fun i think i this actually want to do that i want to see both of them on the same day
4: well, zod you know we're going to see both for sure okay yeah that's for sure oh no three let's not forget mission impossible right? that's okay. that's a must well, as well. is
5: that open on the same day too
4: no that's like the week before i believe
5: oh yeah right. that's um next um the following week july
4: 12th yeah exactly so speaking of barbie there's a little bit of controversy it involves um mother country of yours truly the philippines uh, actually started in vietnam so barbie has a scene in the movie where there is a politically sensitive map of asia um where they have this u-line shape which indicates um china's uh territorial claims to the south china sea which is vietnam philippines taiwan malaysia and apparently that violates their um independence or so- sovereignty um, and I can understand why, I mean, why would they use, um, a map with that U-shaped line, you know? Why, oh, like-
3: I can think of, I can think of one very good reason is okay. to do that. They, they're trying to, they're trying to out for the Chinese market the same way that, uh, John Cena had to apologize to the Chinese government for acknowledging Taiwan. Like, um... I, right before one of the Fast and Furious uh movie, and things like that. Like the Chinese market is still so huge for um for studios awesome. they yeah. yeah, they they do they do shit like this, like um a lot. And is, I could
4: is that little classless or what? I mean does it so classless.
3: It's... They're kowtowing to a they're kowtowing to a draconian go- government and <laughs> it's uh but i mean that's what they do that's what they yeah. have to do to so get the
4: philippines the uh the senator of the philippines uh, senator francis talento said if the invalidated nine dash line was indeed depicted in the movie barbie then it's incumbent upon the movie and the, the television review and classification board of the philippines the ban the same as it denigrates philippine sovereignty
2: mm-hmm.
4: yeah um that's crazy um i mean i guess they could do a simple edit like they do in the Middle East, when they don't want to see you know scenes of of gay couples or gay characters, they just edit the scene out. They could do that. But I don't know if that that scene with the map is very very important or not for the plot of the movie, but probably, yeah, probably probably not. And if they can make just appease the, the 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 other countries like Vietnam and the Philippines to to edit that scene out, and I I don't know. I mean. <clears throat> Um, so that's uh, that's one we're looking forward to. There's another big movie that we're looking forward to, actually, and it's um, Killers of the Flower Moon. It um, doesn't come out till a lot, a lot later in the year, October 6th, in theaters and October 20th. But they just dropped um, a really nice trailer of this. Um, it's pretty cool. It's um, Basically, it's an epic Western crime saga where real love crosses paths with unspeakable betrayal. So... Um, And it's basically about the Osage nation who became the richest people in the world overnight. The wealth of these Native Americans immediately uh, attracted um, the white interlopers who uh, manipulated, extorted and stole as much money before they uh, resorted to murder. So that's the, the basic log line of the film directed by the great Martin Scorsese um this film of course uh will have a theater run before it drops on apple tv which um yeah i mean that seems like the way some films are going but yeah give them a little bit of the theater run so they could be in contention for the major awards because you would put them in a streaming network right away that qualifies the film from except for the uh pandemic year they made an exception for that year so um there's this movie i'm really looking forward to i don't know if you saw the trailer we talked a little bit last week it's called challengers it's with zendaya josh o'connor and mike faced Mm -hmm. that film will actually open the venice film festival which is the 80th 80th venice film festival and um it's very racy because there's a little bit of a threesome going on uh between the three characters and uh It's wild. I mean, if you saw the trailer, they're alluding to the threesome occurring and you get to see, uh, you know, a very naughty side of Zendaya. And speaking of Zendaya, he's one of the stars of Dune Part 2. And uh, they just dropped some new footage in the trailer of Denis Villeneuve's Frank Herbert classic novel. And um, this particular trailer shows Paul Atreides, played by Timothy Chalamet, and Johnny, played by Zendaya, engaging in their... War against the evil harkins. Um, so and then we got a first look at Christopher Walken as the scheming emperor. Because you get a chance to check out this trailer? Looks looks really, really, really dope. We also had awesome Bl- butler, who is um Elvis. <laughs> he he an I albino fade Rautha, who who's described as an Olympic sword master crossed with a psychotic serial killer. Yeah pretty wild. I mean, you got Florence Pugh um debuting as Princess er- erlon
5: especially you know when you saw the look of Austin Butler for the um trailer and some of the preview pictures. It's like yeah, yeah he does not look
2: like Elvis
4: anymore. He does not look like Elvis anymore. The, the 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 true telling sign is when we hear his character speak if he's still got what Elvis accent, you know. <laughs> Alcohol mm-hmm. burning love, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh we'll have to wait and see but the trailer is dope you know all your favorites will be back you know rebecca Ferguson, Javier bardem dave batista you see represent <laughs> josh brolin Stalin's scars guard and more all right what films are in production well um tron Ares is in production um and interesting uh that they're gonna uh Yep, go back to the Tron franchise because it um, quite a long, you know, hiatus since the last film, right?
5: Yeah, it's been a, it's been thirteen years. It was
4: thirteen up, like, years.
5: out in twenty ten.
4: Yeah, I thought that a franchise was forgotten, but um, they added Jared Leto, Breta Lee, Evan Peters, and um, Jodie Turner Smith just announced, mm-hmm. and they're going to be shooting in Vancouver. Hmm. And, um, yeah, the first one was in 1982. Yeah, yeah. With Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Bridges,
5: Bruce Boxliner, and the late, great David Warner, who was Sark. Yep.
4: Yeah. And then you were right, Dean, 2010, 13 years ago, it was Tron Legacy. So the two previous movies were set inside the world of computers and programs. But this script is set to focus on the emergence of a sentient program that crosses over into the human world. Mm. Uh, that is not ready for contact wow interesting so interesting interesting i'm really looking forward to that one
5: now my question would be about that now that i'm listening to it since cora exit from the world of cyberspace into the real world is it going to be an offshoot of her is it going to be a new character i'm trying to figure out Mm. where it's going to be taking the story since we know that she crossed into the real
4: world at the end of legacy wow that's a great question i, I i'm not sure wow about mm-hmm. to ask the producers dean <laughs> yes. yeah that's very very valid uh, valid inquiry there um awesome production captain america brave new world um so yours truly was supposed to be on set of that but i couldn't make the wardrobe days it went under the code name of rochelle rochelle um Because it make more... Rochelle, Rochelle is the code name. Yes, they shot the, in D.C. last week. The erotic
3: week. journey from Milan to Minsk. Yeah. Minsk.
4: They they do that all the time when it comes to these movies, guys. I don't even know if I was supposed to reveal that, gentlemen. But I don't know. Like, as long as i do not oh. say what. But anyways, yeah, they were in D.C. all week, and um uh, supposedly that was the last week. Oh no, that's in the news that the Captain America was yeah so that's, shooting at DC. so that's
5: why the um streets shut down recently so i remember on one of my friends yes i couldn't figure out what because i said i don't know why the streets shut down DC. I don't.
4: Yeah. but congrats to my friends i got to work do some background work on it but um anthony mackie who plays the new captain america actually said something very interesting uh, in a recent interview he said the first day uh, working with harrison ford was so intimidating he's like he's harrison fucking Ford. <laughs> there's this aura about him but he dispels that really quickly because he's such a cool guy he's everything a movie star should be he would say let's shoot this piece of shit everyone everybody was like yeah let's shoot this shit <laughs> Harrison ford as you know plays um Tadeus thunderbolt ross so um if you didn't know william kurt who played ross in the first five mcu films i had passed away so I guess they had to recast because his character lived on in the films. I mean, I guess they could they could have gone the cG route, but
2: well
3: well he's uh he's going to be i I suspect that he's going to be cGI for a lot of the movie
4: Oh, you think Harrison Ford will be CGI for a lot of the movie? No,
3: not Harrison Ford specifically, but the character Thunderbolt Ross will be, and that's a.
4: Uh, I'm not sure what you mean.
3: Okay, well, in the comics, he turns into a Hulk. Ah. He becomes oh, Red, He becomes the Red Hulk.
4: Oh, wow. So you're alluding to Harrison Ford voicing and or even motion capture? I don't think he's going to be doing the motion capture. Probably providing the voice.
3: Yeah, he's probably going to be providing the voice, but, but yeah.
4: But is this confirmed that we are going to see Red Hulk? I don't know. In- Captain America New World Order but or sorry. It um, makes
3: sense. There are other Hulk characters in the movie. There's the leader and um, Betsy Betty Ross are also um, are also in the Captain America movie. So it would make absolute sense that it's going. They're going to be introducing the Red Hulk.
4: Holy smokes. That's a big one. Yeah, it could happen. This movie It's very possible. It, they didn't confirm or deny whether Red Hulk will be in this film today.
3: No, no, no,
5: they, uh, no, spe- but um, there was some news that Anthony Mackey curiously tackles that speculation,
4: oh, okay, well, that yeah. means yeah, he tackles a speculation by denying it
5: um he said according to according to Mackey, the shredded pants were not a cryptic clue at a character translation, but rather than a result of loss and Logic incident." And he also shared an amusing anecdote about how Ford, after losing his luggage in Atlanta, borrowed a pants of Mackey's work pants that happened to be tattered.
3: That oh happened to be tattered. So the tattered pants, that is funny.
4: Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Okay. Very good.
5: Mackie's a ham. I love it. <laughs> I, love
4: that. I love it. I love it. Got a couple more things before we um, take our classic cut break. Um, so, James Bagold, as you know, he directed um, Dial of Destiny and Anne Jones. Um, but, as you know, he was first tapped to direct the Boba Fett movie many years ago. Now he's going to be attached to um, another Star Wars film about in the early Republic, which is going to be before episode one. But he actually revealed something very interesting about his Boba Fett movie. Apparently, um, this Particular Boba Fett movie, he wanted it to be R rated, or at least, at least borderline R rated, and a single planet spaghetti western. And he said he probably wouldn't uh, um, introduce Baby Yoda if they wanted that, because that wasn't the world that he was envisioning. <laughs> um, but you know, that I think that's okay because you know we got the Boba Fett that we we saw in the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, and I'm completely happy with that version. I mean that again that would have been a standalone movie um and but you know he's he's going to you know he's going to do another Star Wars movie as you know it's going to be inspired by the biblical epic such as the 10 commandments oh my god it's going to religion into this next Star Wars film every Star uh, Wars
3: movie has had religion in it you right Don't yeah, I guess, yourself
4: tackled already Yeah. Yeah, I guess the force. I force force. I
3: mean you could you could make the you could make the argument that of like at least three separate characters being Christ figures in Star Wars movies. (laughs) And um yeah, it's a it's not it's not but I think I think what he's what he's going for here is more like the idea of the cast of thousands and the vast epics like the commandments and Ben Hur and all those. Like well, that, all
5: is, will those cast a thousand be real cast a thousand or partially CGI cast? Thousands? Oh, yeah, well, that's and a good point. The technology we can build up,
4: yeah, <laughs> very good. And there's a big Netflix movie, um, which is a space opera as it's being described, much like um, Star Wars is, and it's Rebel Moon. Now, uh, this is very interesting, kind of tied into Star Wars. That Zack Snyder said. His original concept for Rebel Moon was a Star Wars movie. It was a a seven samurai in space. But he wanted to use characters that you weren't familiar with and set it into the universe. Also, he wanted to do just like James Mangold, a rated R Star Wars film, which I think would be fantastic. I think it's overdue. I think we need to see a rated R Star Wars, rated R Star Trek, but well, um, I mean, like they, they want the you want it to the be kids. a
3: rated R movie in the Star Wars and/or Star Trek franchises, or just a Star Wars style movie that's rated R.
4: I would like to see one with the existing IP. I, I, I think uh, because you know Marvel's got their Deadpool. Like, mm-hmm. can Star Wars have a darker, more adult-oriented? I want to see like naked Twi'leks, You know. <laughs> you,
3: know? <laughs> you know they could have they could have gone in that direction with Andor and uh that would have worked well
4: but they didn't really really go that i mean yeah storyline is more adult yes but they didn't go too racy you know
5: i mean that's what i'm trying to figure out how can you do a tasteful star trek r-rated film without number one appeasing to the fanboys who really want it i hate to say that Right, But two, not abandoning 60-plus years of fandom, especially young kids like myself, who grew up on Star Trek at a very young age, and then we see this, and, you know, that one thing could turn us off like a a night bomb, you know?
3: Well, it's either that or, like, a—because— you could you think about like uh, all of these all of these big, you know, fanboy um franchises. They're very elastic. Like there is like at, at least when they're done right. Like something like Star Wars. Star Wars, they've had um they've had storylines like um, you know, these vast like, you know, uh, you know space military stories then also these really really spiritual you know grand messiah stories and then even like uh, even like these kind of like proto-westerns which is what the Mandalorian pretty much pretty much was as well as you know they tried to do a crime like a uh, more of a crime story with like solo which I actually enjoyed a lot a lot of people did oh, it was
2: fantastic I and then people...
3: and they even did a political thriller with Andor. So, okay. you know, you can you can do that. You can, well, like it. It's just a universe. Like you know, you. I mean, the universe is enormous. There are so many sides of it. Now, that doesn't that doesn't mean I want to see a thing where like you know Han Solo is Han Solo is fucking Princess Leia or something like that. But what that means is you, you wouldn't
4: have objected. <laughs> well, maybe. maybe 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 two other characters. Kind yeah, of take, yeah. But you can would, you can take a lot of the, the memory of a and of course they probably have to use a CG version of both of them.
3: Right, exactly. But what I mean is, you don't have to have necessarily an R rated thing using beloved characters, but it can still be that universe. Well,
4: that that's exactly why he had to do Rebel Moon. Zack Snyder said that at first when he was pitching the Star Wars, but it had to be. You know, it had to not have pre existing characters and it had to be r, mm-hmm. R-rated. r It was a, t- a tough sell to Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. So that's why he brought on Rebel Moon, which, again, is a space opera, but it follows a young woman living in the outskirts of the galaxy. She's given the task of finding warriors who can fend off an invasion um, by this group, the Regent Belisarius. It's got a heck of a cast. It's Sophia Batella, who actually was in uh, wasn't she in oh, one of the uh, Star War Star Trek films? Yes,
2: she
5: was. She was in um the last yes the last one um Into Darkness.
4: No. Into Darkness. Beyond. Yeah. And
5: Beyond.
4: Yep. Charlie Hunnam. We got Jaimon Hansu. He was in Shazam. And Ray Fisher.
5: Galaxy.
4: And Guardians of the Galaxy. Very good. Yep. Duna Mae Jenna Malone. I haven't seen Jenna Malone in a while. She was in the um. She was
3: supposed to be. She was supposed to be Barbara Gordon in the Snyderverse, and all yeah. of her role was cut out, which is I a shame. I haven't
4: seen Jen Malone in a long time.
5: Yeah. The last time I saw her, yeah. was, um, The Hunger Games, if I remember correctly.
4: So this is going to be two films. So he had a 172-page script, and Netflix asked him to split the project into two separate movies. So what he's going to do is have two versions of each movie. He's going to have um, a regular cut, and then he's going to have more adult cut, which is more explicit and extended.
3: Well, I mean, I guess, and the question is, like, is the adult cut just going to be TNA? Because, you know, if it's <laughs> that kind of R-rated thing, then, you know, that's, you know, that's unnecessary and exploitative. But it's... Okay. Right. Well, I mean, sometimes. I, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean- it's nice to see sometimes, but it's also... <laughs> um, it's also, like, with yeah, a lot but... of these stories, it's not necessary. Like, I remember I remember there was this rumor um, a decade or two ago that Quentin Tarantino wanted to direct a Star Trek movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, that, was, I can't that imagine. Would I couldn't imagine that being anything but R. And... It
4: has to be based on his body of work. You see <laughs> yeah. well, stuff. Now, with that in
5: mind, actually, I think there's two possible ways Star Trek could be an R-rated project. They have to do the offshoot um, teams. Like, if they do one about the Fenris Rangers that was introduced in Star Trek Picard, which 7 9 was reintroduced into the universe in Season 2, or they do Section 31. Section 31, which is the Black Ops of Starfleet, which has no rules, no regulations. They do whatever the hell they want. They just do the job. And they're gone. And we got a taste of it in the previous season of Star Trek Discovery with section thirty one um, in that universe. So if they do it from that point,
3: are they are those are they is that section thirty one? Are they portrayed as heroic characters or it, are they tra- portrayed as like villainous?
5: A bit of both. So some, okay. some <laughs> ways they're heroic. And when we got introduced with them in um d Space Nine, we got introduced as some heroic. But they turn to be, you know what, we got a job to do, and by any means necessary, we're going to do that job.
3: Okay, okay. Because I know, I know, like, uh, I would imagine it possibly working for Star Trek, I mean, Star Wars. The thing I would think would be an issue with Star Trek is... Star Trek kind of like takes a, and I say this being someone who's uh, unfortunately feels like it's way too late for him to get into it. Like I, I've I ne- never really watched Star Trek much, but it's a, and now it's like so daunting and huge, I wouldn't even know where to start.
4: <laughs> I, mean, uh, I watched the films, the Chris Pine films.
3: Yeah, so that was and, kind of like, like the whole, the whole thing with Star Trek was that it was more cerebral than Star Trek, than Star Wars. It was yeah. It was, yeah a lot more about like these big ideas and it was utopian and it was all of this, like it was supposed to represent the best of humanity, even if like they're constantly in danger and uh, you know, having like uh, you know, whatever that black ops group was called, was it called? Section 34? No, section 31. Section 31. That seems to go against like the, <laughs> the whole, like, you know, the basic yeah. philosophy of star Trek. That sounds like more like a Star Wars thing, actually, honestly. And so, like, I could see a lot of people thinking that's like some kind of like sellout move by Paramount for doing that. And uh, but I don't
4: know. That's completely fair. And I got a couple more things before we take our classic cut break. Um, so another Netflix movie. This was going directly to Netflix. So Greta Gerwig, as you know, she's directing Barbie. He's been attached to direct a feature film version of the Chronicles of Narnia books for Netflix exclusively. Mm. So um, has it been that
3: long ago where they had the the other Chronicles of Narnia movies? Like uh, long not too
5: long ago.
4: Two thousand and five and two thousand and
3: eight. Yeah, it, I guess that uh, was a while ago. In two
4: thousand ten. Yep. Okay. It's so been, thir- uh, Thirteen years since the last one, the Voyage of Don Treader. Mm-hmm. and um yeah this project uh on netflix um it's it's going to be a, a netflix film yeah and it's going to be um adapted from the chronicles of narnia books so um never got into those projects i have never actually seen the films odd you've seen them you've seen the disney versions i,
5: I did kind of <laughs> Yeah,
3: <laughs> you know, i don't really remember them that well I'm-
5: long time ago
4: the second one i haven't seen the third one to be honest with you. Uh, yeah so that's the big movies um i guess we have a couple minutes um to just wrap up netflix and then we'll take a classic cut break um which your uh, season three volume one debuted to the top spot of the most watched list 15.2 million views since the june 29th release
3: is this it? Does this season still have uh, Henry Cavill, or is it Liam Hemsworth now?
4: This is the, this is the new season with um, Liam's Hemsworth, I believe. Okay, yeah. so
3: Henry Cavill's already gone. Gotcha.
4: Yeah, actually, you no know one, nope. I stand corrected, Zod. This is Henry Cavill's last season of Geralt. Sorry, so he okay. is this one. Yes, this is the one that was already shot. My bad. <laughs> um, number two is Black Mirror, um, season six. And uh, wrapping up the top three is Catching Killers, with 4.1 views. Um, and um, the upcoming um, Ryan Murphy project on Netflix called Monster is going to be monsters plural. The Lyle and Eric Menendez story this is the Menendez brothers, mm-hmm. and they just cast the two Menendez brothers, Cooper Koch and Nicholas Alexander Chavez so uh this will as you know the first season was all about jeffrey Dahmer. Mm-hmm. the second season will be about the menendez brothers and um some new light was been brought up in the um menendez documentary that they shot their parents due to being sexually abused um which some people are vocal for their release from prison because they're currently you know in prison right now based on the fact that it was self-defense from sexual abuse but that brings a new light, but whether that is accurate or not, I don't know. Um, but that, that's a, been uh, alleged, though. So interesting. Now, Zod, this is an interesting one because Stranger Things had that Stranger Sings Broadway play. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they got this idea from the Stranger Sings Broadway play, but now they have a Stranger Things The First Shadow, which is going to be a stage performance. And they had a series of clips and a trailer with staticky analog TV and, and shows the beginning of stranger things and what and hold the key to what is next. And, um, apparently it's going to open at the West end at the Phoenix theater. Um, and, uh, it's set in Hawkins in 1959. So this That's interesting. This is, so they're going to play,
3: yeah. it, I guess they're going to play it straight. And, uh, cause stranger sings is like absolutely a parody
4: parody of the current stranger things that yeah. we yeah exactly mm-hmm. so yeah that should be really interesting I, I, well, again, is, I this, is this
3: uh, is this um sanctioned by like the duffer brothers or is this something totally
4: this, this is this is a netflix um yeah i guess it, it oh it's they're it. Not, well they're not listed as the as the creators the duffer brothers Oh but it's
3: but it's but it's, a, but it's Netflix I, whoever owns the IP for Stranger Things is it Netflix is, it 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 is the Netflix. for so, brothers
4: okay. Yeah so this serves as Netflix's first foray into live theater
3: Yeah that's a so that's okay so yeah. it's going to be an official prequel I guess and I'm yeah. assuming a film version of it will be up on um up on Netflix soon enough
4: and it's written so, by Kate Treffy and co-executive producer and writer on the series, co-created by Matt and Ross Duffer. And it's plays from an original story by the Duffer brothers. Here you go. So, yes, if it's based on a real story by the Duffer brothers set in 1959, then mm-hmm. it has to be absolutely a... Uh, what,
3: what was the name, uh, the name of uh, the... name of the? Is a, I wonder if it's going to have that character. Um, what was his name? I mean, he's eventually number one, but... Uh, and he's... Uh,
4: Jamie Campbell Bower, the actor that plays number one. Yeah.
3: Um, and he was Vecna, but like his actual name.
4: Yeah, yeah. That, the name is giving me right now, but yes. You think it will evolve him? Because in 1959, if, if the original if the original series takes place in the 80s. No, yeah, I don't,
3: that's when he was a kid. His father, that's around the time that he kills his family, except for his father, and his father goes to the institution.
4: His father was played by um, Freddy Krueger. right 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 yeah that would be interesting yeah and last on netflix if you're a fan of sex education they just dropped a trailer season four will be the final season and that final season will drop on september 21st i watched the first season it was it was very entertaining you know um i don't know if i've ever even seen it set set in england it's um coming of age uh it's coming of age sex uh, discovery comedy i guess (laughs) something (laughs) along those lines um, but uh, never continued past the the first season, but uh, but nonetheless, let's take a classic quick break and we're going to say goodbye to Dean on the scene Rogers, who's been incredible. He's such a great, great uh, a guest co host to have on BTB, always has always on the pulse of entertainment and particularly the DMV area.
3: And you can see, you can see the absolute sheer joyful enthusiasm you have with. Everything you've talked about tonight, which uh, is just so infectious,
5: yes. I'm so glad. Well, before that. I leave, I'm gonna give you guys a little bit of teaser of what's coming up on our website. Aside from the weave interviews, which we'll be doing um, over the season uh today, I just interviewed, and I cannot believe I'm freaking saying this. um If you guys are familiar with the original show America Gladiators, I had oh, an yeah. interview with one of our fellow gladiators and. We talked about um, the new um, Netflix series that is still in the top five, Muscles and Mayhem, the unauthorized story of American Gladiators, which if you've seen the first documentary came out on ESPN last month and you've seen this one, I highly recommend the latter. It is much better. It tells an in depth story about the Gladiators. And we got to talk about how she felt when she became a Gladiator, how her name was chosen, and her new podcast. So be on the lookout for the new um, interview that's coming out, hopefully in the next day or two.
4: All right. What's of your official website, Dean, is?
5: It's always therogersreview.com, review spelled R-E-V-U-E. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at The Rogers Review. And the interviews from a capital four of all full of them, I mean, the full interviews, not all four interviews, but all the full interviews are on The Rogers Review, Rogers Review 09 on youtube so please give us a like follow subscribe because we want those hits so bad all
4: the time all right so great we're going to say goodbye to dean on the scene rogers and we're going to go to our classic cut break and our interview with um my interview with michaela Ternaski holland the filipina um vr filmmaker a phenomenal talented filmmaker that was a part of the tribeca film festival uh, right after classic cut and the classic cut i decided you know a yellow car one of the when the premier pop punk bands is on their 20th anniversary tour can you believe they've been around for 20 years in 2000 yeah. i think
5: um, one of my photographers actually covered that event recently so really? look
4: that review oh, on the that event? yeah so i was actually on the fence about it and due to the weather fatigue from the holiday Um, and the desire to and wanting to see um indiana jones i I did forego the show kind of regret it but hopefully i can catch them on another another tour but i've figured nonetheless it is their 20th anniversary tour so i picked a yellow card song that i think is a great great song it's one of their hit songs this is only one by yellow card so uh okay look forward to it enjoy and uh we will talk to you right after the classic cut and the interview we'll see you soon
2: We'll be right
4: Gosh, guys, more great interviews here at Tribeca. We're here with this amazing fellow Filipina creator, hey. <laughs> which I love, here at the immersive area of the Tribeca. And uh, it's a great immersive film called Mahal. And we all know, oh, uh, well. No, we all know, but Filipinos know mahal means love. But yes. uh, Mikhail, it's good uh, to have you to talk to you about your film.
6: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be interviewed by a fellow Filipino. This is my <laughs> first fellow Filipino interview.
4: What? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> now I gotta check, chance to check it out. Oh my God, it was so beautiful. It was such a beautiful film, thank you. and I think just the VR aspect really enhances the overall film did you have a vision for the very beginning that you wanted it to be vr versus any other medium
6: um there was a vision for it to be vr that's where the funding came from um but you know i work in vr as my main medium i've been working in vr since 2016 so it didn't really make sense for me to suddenly transition into short film or traditional film i really wanted to tell a filipino story in Mm -hmm. vr for us and then also for the vr community and You know, there's all this conversation about film not being inclusive with our narratives. There's all this conversation about video games not being inclusive of our narratives. I was Mm -hmm. like, well, why don't I get ahead of it? Why don't I just jump straight to virtual reality and post our flag as Filipinos Mm -hmm. to be seen as these empowered, incredible beings like they are in Mahal?
4: Yes, absolutely. And I saw Mahal and it uh, takes some Filipino mythology, mm-hmm. which I personally wasn't familiar with. Tell us about like researching that aspect of the mythology and putting it into your project.
6: Yes. Well, as you know, the Philippines is a huge diaspora, right? We are the victims of colonialism and imperialism. We are an archipelago of over 700 islands that was colonized by King mm-hmm. Philip. So when I actually started doing Philippine mythology um, research, I realized oh wow there isn't just one canon right like usually when you study greek and roman or egyptian Mm -hmm. mythology there's like one clear canon and we're talking about hundreds of tribes with different belief systems all touching different types of people they came in contact with so the one i really stuck with was the tagalog tribe um they believed in anthropomorphic gods so gods that seemed and looked like humans and had human qualities and the one i stuck uh, that really stuck with me was the story of Bathala, the creator Mm -hmm. god who had four children apaloki the son of the Uh, the god of the sun, Mayari; Mm -hmm. the goddess of the moon, Mm -hmm. Thala, the goddess of the stars, and Hanan, the goddess of the dawn. And I really took these characters in for my inspiration and made my own story uh, based on their traits, based on some of the things I read in different um, mythology um, archives and research, and and then also put my own personal flavor on it. And of course we're using VR, so it's going to be totally drastically different than any other mythology story you've seen.
4: Yeah, for sure. And of course, a personal story uh, that you experience uh, with your own family that you've actually incorporated into the project. And these characters actually dealt with the loss of their father figure as well, right? correct,
6: yeah. The creator god, Batala, in our story is Mm -hmm. no longer with his children. He's no longer guiding them. And so really the um, prologue of the story sets it up where we have these children Mm -hmm. trying to find their way to carry on their father's legacy, do their Mm -hmm. best to keep their family unit together, and then, of course, figure out how they're grieving. And each of them are grieving in their own personal way. And Mm -hmm. just like in grief, there's no protagonist or antagonist. We're all Mm -hmm. doing our best. But hurt happens and consequences Mm -hmm. happen. And so these all-powerful deities, even though they're just kids, are creating ripples throughout the universe, and they are really affecting the creation that their father entrusted to them, which is so classic, you know, people who grieve, and then it's like, oh my gosh, why would you put this at risk? This is everything that that person Mm -hmm. wanted you to love and address, and they left behind this legacy for you. But that's our grieving process, you know? It's not perfect. It Mm -hmm. gets a little messy, and that's the beauty of what I love about our piece. Everyone just is doing their best.
4: Yeah, and if you've ever dealt with grief personally, yeah, that you can... It really fills you with emotion and if we could mention y- dealing with your personal yes, uh, loss uh, yeah. and you incorporated that aspect into it, it did. didn't you?
6: Yes, I lost my, my my own father. I lost very young in a car accident and mm-hmm. I incorporated a lot of my experiences with grief growing up. You know, each of these deities kind of take a different form of my grief, right? There's the yeah. deity who's trying to keep it all together and act normal. There's mm-hmm. the deity who is workaholic and isolating herself from her family and doesn't mm-hmm. want to be, you know, expressing her emotions. There's the deity who's people-pleasing and wanting to make sure everyone else around her is okay. And then, of course, there's our deity who's holding all this anger and resentment and frustration. And even those, you know, trauma issues around abandonment, which are still things I'm discovering as a 28-year-old, right? I'm like, oh, no, that's still coming up for me. But the beauty is that none of them actually... Take away from that. Like, none of them leave that part of themselves behind. They just mm-hmm. take it with them into a bigger, better, brighter future that they learn to accept that part of them and they're mm-hmm. learning to accept it together as a family.
4: Absolutely. Now, um, let's talk about uh, the cast, the voice cast, because it was very important that you had Filipino actors to do the voiceovers and you didn't cast like any other. That's ethnicities, uh, which is mm-hmm. kind of the way things are going on today. Yeah, They're trying to match the ethnicity with the character, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
6: And that was an amazing process, you know? Um, we worked with Side LA, which is an incredible casting agency and recording studio in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. they really heard me when I said, you know, I really want to cast Filipino and Filipino-Americans in this. Yes. And they were like, okay, are you okay with mixed race? Do they have to speak Tagalog fluently? Right? They had thought of all these things I hadn't yeah. even thought of. And I was like, they don't have to speak Tagalog fluently. I'll work with them on Tagalog. Um, they don't have to be a full Filipino they can be mixed race. And we put together this incredible cast, yes. not just Filipino-Americans, mm-hmm. but also Filipinos. So Lee C. is the voice of Thala. She's based in Manila. Mm-hmm. We have Eileen Descalar, the voice of the Catalonian. We have Loretto Delgado III, mm-hmm. the voice of Apaloki. And then we have Daphne Nitsuga, the voice of Mayari. And we had an incredible panel with them yesterday where we talked about each of their immigrant stories, mm-hmm. where their family were from. You know, we've got Ilocanos on the cast. We've got Tagalogs wow. on the cast. we got Bisayans on the cast. Wow. Um, and really talking about you know, their family almost across the board doesn't really support their creativity but there's something about this piece there's something about them being able to be with Filipinos where Mm -hmm. their family was like wow you made it you did it you made your weird creative thing voiceover or acting into something Mm -hmm. that's legitimate and that was really special for me to hear you know because even today I don't think my family truly understands what I do
4: (laughs) (laughs) and you certainly represent also in the uh, music aspect right and the composer also being Filipino
6: Teresa Barrazo was an incredible collaborator with me also based Mm -hmm. in Manila and she and I would be working very long hours, Mm -hmm. my 10 p.m., her 10 a.m., Mm -hmm. just sitting through all the pieces of music, and she really did a great job of incorporating the indigenous Filipino instrument elements. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of the kulintang uh, featured in our piece. Um, There's some traditional drums and bamboo featured in our piece, but also I told her, you know, I really wanted to bring this ethereal, timeless feeling to the celestial realm where our gods and goddesses live, and she did an incredible job just embedding these um, lovely nuances of vocals, these Mm -hmm. lovely nuances of um, beats and drums in a way that I think really heightens the story for the audience, and I would be remiss not to also shout out our Filipino-American vocalist, Travis Atreya, who lent his amazing, beautiful vocals um, for our credit song, which is a rendition of a very traditional Filipino lullaby called Ili Ili which means sway sway
4: Wow mm-hmm. look at that, that <laughs> it's got Philippines all over this project <laughs> which is fantastic now let's talk about the animation because yeah. it was fantastic and the, the beauty of VR is that you can watch 3d without needing any v- um, you know 3d glasses you just use your oculus headset or, or similar device that's correct uh, and um, I was curious on the process of putting that together on the animation side.
6: So what's really interesting about our project is that we're almost going back in time to go forward in time. Mm -hmm. So very similar to like the Disney animators who used to hand paint and hand animate every single frame of their environments and their Mm -hmm. characters. We're doing the exact same thing using a platform called Quill by Smoothstep, but we're doing it in virtual reality. So after concept art was finished, where we were like, okay, this is what we think we want the characters look like, this is what Mm -hmm. the tone of the environments, we went straight to VR and my uh, animator and my environment uh, modeler and my character modeler started painting directly in virtual reality. So one controller is your paintbrush, one controller is your control panel, and you're literally clicking, tapping, and painting in virtual reality. So everything you saw was hand, stroke, was all hand-modeled wow. with these incredible craftsmanship, almost this like next generation of hand animation back when, like what Disney used to do in the day with Snow White and Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really special for me because I think there's this like really beautiful heart and homemade aspect to it. We're not dealing with game engines like Unity or Unreal. We're not trying mm-hmm. to be photorealist. We're really trying to give you this amazing fantasy world to fall into and I think that really comes out in the environments and animation we create. Oh
4: my gosh, yeah. I was uh, swiveling the chair looking at this environment <laughs> Iron Man going, wow, just like, tripping out. It was wild. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Now, have you thought about a follow-up to Mahal yet?
6: It's a great question. So my dream, obviously, is to make Mahal as successful as possible. And I mm-hmm. realize those headsets aren't as successful. So mm-hmm. um, if I could go do another round of funding, I would love to export this for our 2D experience. Mm-hmm. Or I'd love to talk to somebody like at Avatar Studios or Hulu or Disney who might be interested in spinning this off as a short animated series. Like Each of our characters we made, I could see having their own yeah. mini-story. Even the mortal realm we created, I can mm-hmm. see even having a, a spin-off episode just focused on the villagers. Yes. Um, I think it's such a beautiful, rich world, and I would love to give it to the audience in a oh, really yeah. accessible way. Would love to localize it into Tagalog and other languages, so kids all over the world could enjoy this as well. I think it's really kid-friendly, yeah. really family-friendly. So those are some dreams. Uh, but before that, I'm going to take a nice long nap.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really really well-deserved. But I saw the Oculus link is already up, so can audiences see Mahal already?
6: It's a great question. So we actually are doing our festival tour, just like any traditional film, but we okay. will be available on all MetaQuest headsets later this here, okay. uh, right before the holidays. I can't give you the exact date quite yet, and it will be ba- available for free for anybody who owns a Quest headset.
4: Wow. <laughs> you got You got to check it out. Wow. So uh, how's your Tribeca experience been so far?
6: Oh, well, I actually live in New York, uh, just uh, across the river in Mm -hmm. Queens, and so Tribeca always feels Mm -hmm. like a party in my own backyard, and it's been such an incredibly humbling experience to be a director, to see my team travel from all over the U.S. to come and support the project, Mm -hmm. to meet folks like you, to be able to work with people I adore here in New York, to to... collaborate with them on the installation, collaborate with them on the publicity strategy. And so, so far this Tribeca has been a whirlwind, Um, but I'm so grateful and just being so present and grounded in the beautiful reactions of the audience.
4: And you actually are nominated for award in a first, right? The first Filipina queer? Um, to, to uh, be nominated for the New Voices Award? That's correct, yes, yes. yes.
6: So the Tribeca Immersive category is broken up into two big mm-hmm. sections. There's the Storyscape section, which mm-hmm. is for returning directors with three to four projects of XR, or Immersive, mm-hmm. under their belt. And then there's the New Voices category, which is for uh, directors who have, have one to two directorial debuts under their belt. Um, and this is a brand new structure that Tribeca is doing. Usually they just have Storyscape's main competition, but this New Voices category is a brand new... um, featured award and so Mahal is nominated for the New Voices Award and we will find out later this week whether or not we are winning the award or not winning the award. Oh my
4: gosh that's a lot we're rooting for the Filipinas come on now. Now if um, a film producer came to you and said let's do Mahal live action.
6: Oh goodness.
4: Yeah have you thought about like actors like to portray? Honestly. (laughs) Or do you like the format as it is?
6: I think I like the format as it is. Okay. You know, um, we, we struggled with this a little bit in some of my previous work about the Philippines where yeah. we were doing more social impact work. I, I think live action is gorgeous. Yeah. I think there's world where I could... Enjoy live action. But there is something about animation that suspends so much disbelief. Yes. And there's something about animation that makes culture feel really approachable. You know, you see pieces like Encanto, Coco. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, these pieces make that culture feel really approachable and magical. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, the beauty and magic of Mahal is that we're doing the exact same thing with Filipino yes. culture. You know, yes. it's not about, oh, he's not dark enough and she's not light enough, or mm-hmm. oh, you know, that island isn't actually in the Philippines, that's actually an island in Samoa, right? Like. All of the kind of cultural, weird issues that I think sometimes come up from live action. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, he's not full Filipino, or, oh, she's actually um, Malaysian, right? Like, these things that come up with casting, there's something beautiful about the wholesomeness of animation, where we're really just playing off the voices of these actors and the world that gets to be created with the artists. But... I would be interested, definitely, in continuing to tell stories about Filipinos using different mediums. And if live action is one of those mediums that somehow comes my way, I would totally be open to that opportunity.
7: Awesome.
4: Yeah. Well, Mikhail, this has been phenomenal. Hey. Phenomenal. Hey. If you're Tribeca, you've got to check it out. And, of course, coming to Oculus soon. Mahal, people. This is a, an amazing, amazing VR film that you do not want to miss. For everybody, not just Filipinos, but for everybody to check out, for sure. Um, And uh, if you could, before we wrap up, let us know who you are. Throw out a plug for Mahal. Let us know you're on Below the Belt show and maybe a Filipino catchphrase or anything you want at the end.
6: Sure, got it. My name is Michaela Trenowski-Holland and you're here with Below the Belt. I'm the co-writer, co-producer and director of Reimagined Volume 2 Mahal, making its world premiere here at Tribeca Festival. Thank you so much for all your support of this project, Mahalkita. I really appreciate you all, and I appreciate folks like you mm-hmm. coming Thank out you. to
4: support us. Zalama, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Until next time.
2: There
3: is nothing like a good late-night gummy bear.
4: A gummy bear with anything in particular? Just the regular, uh, gun. Just just regular run and, uh, bear. Just a regular gummy bear. Just the regular gum. <laughs> the Bear. I love it. Well, Zav, that was um, my exclusive interview with Michaela Ternaski Holland, a Filipina filmmaker, um, particularly in the VR world, which was a part of the Tribeca Film Festival. And of course, our classic cut was Yellow Cart Only You, um, which is a great song uh, for you, chop punk aficionados. Um, sorry, let me correct this up. Yellow Cart Only One. I mean you sorry. Um, but now uh joining us for our guest co-host for the second half of BTB, guys. We have he is a multi-talented artist, he is an actor, he is a podcaster, he's a filmmaker, he is an editor, he's an audio editor. Uh my gosh, the list goes on and on. It's party arty, art hall. Oh, I thought you were gonna introduce Michael. Huh? <laughs> Do you have all those accolades. You
1: give me far too much credit. Um, I I think this, is, this is like the most sober I've been joining your show, so I need oh, to remedy well that straight up- away.
3: You need to remedy that
1: quickly. I oh, has it been that kind of thing today? <laughs> <laughs>
4: I love it. <laughs> yes. I got my iced tea with a little Vadi Vod. Oh, I
1: don't even bother mucking up my stuff right now. I just got straight up Woodford Re- Woodford Reserve double oaked. Uh, That's one of the.
4: Better. Yeah. Just doing some it's, bourbon
2: right there.
4: Oh,
3: that's it that's yes. some good stuff. And speaking of which, I will be right back because I need I need to uh, indulge in a drink as well. Indulge in a drink, and I think I know that's what I'm. That's right. Making.
4: Well, I will uh, uh, hold the fort with Artie Hall. Artie Hall is a pod like I said, podcaster extraordinaire. For those of you who happen to stumble upon this podcast and not familiar with BTB, there's uh-huh. another great podcast called That Was Disappointing. And Art Hall, you can find it everywhere on your favorite streaming platform, right?
1: Oh, yeah, pretty much, I believe. Yeah, it's just about everywhere you can look. And um, the other show is uh, as well. But that's been on sort of an unofficial hiatus. But it'll be back once I uh, get off my ass and do it. But, yeah, yeah, that was disappointing. Everywhere you can find it.
4: Everywhere you can find it. And Subversive Cinema for the best reviews in the odd, wacky cinema that's out there today.
1: And check out uh, T10 for a uh, very special uh, guest on that oh, episode. yes,
4: yes. yours truly cool. Al Soto, yes, was a part of it, and of oh, course yeah. Art Hall in a great, great film uh, called Gap Weekend, right? Gap oh Weekend. yes, that's uh, cool.
1: yeah, that's still working its way through the uh, um, through the distribution things, I think. Um, really. I gotta follow up on it and see where that is.
4: <laughs> yeah, I I uh, I really really enjoyed. I think a lot of, I think a lot of people need to see this film art. It's a great great. Um, I guess you could call it a a, a dramedy rom com. Is that the best way to describe it?
1: Yeah, it's a dramedy. Yeah, dramedy. Dr- romantic dramedy, perhaps. Romantic is, uh, dramedy.
4: The, there you go. There you yeah. go. Because rom com is a very very um, popular genre, but and yeah, drama- it's not. That's not, it's yeah, it's not
1: traditional rom-com in that sense. It's um yeah.
4: yeah. The dramedy is, is very yeah. accurate Yeah. Very good, man. Um Yeah, you know. how was how was your July 4th? How did the uh, uh the Angelinos uh light it up over there? You know,
1: years? it was uh well, ugh, man, you have a kid, it changes. So, you know, before having a kid, you're like, Party Rock, let's go get fucked up and drink and watch fireworks. (laughs) And then now it's just like, when will you stop these fucking fireworks? I have a baby that's sleeping, and if you wake (laughs) him up, I will find all of you and kill you. Yeah. Um, So it it really changes the the metric.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We have three fathers. Sorry, two fathers. Sorry. Two fathers. Is
1: there something you
2: want
1: to tell you? (laughs) Unless, unless you were trying to say that you are Michael's not, but I mean, uh, I don't
4: know. Oh well, My- Michael. Michael is uh, very much a dad. Very nice. He's very, a great.
1: Very much
3: a
4: dad. He's a very good father to two uh, amazing kids and uh, and Artie. Uh, ho- hopefully, I'll be meeting. Uh, meeting him. Writer, writer, all soon. Usually,
1: that's the cool. parent is the one trying to upsell the children, not the, not the friend. <laughs>
4: yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> So I uh,
3: kids- I don't I don't need to upsell my kids cuz my kids are at their age they are just worlds better people than I was when I was their age and <laughs> I just I just don't understand how that happened I mean they're gorgeous and they're precocious and they're so incredibly funny and they're like my son is brilliant and my daughter is like this insanely Talented gymnast yeah. and uh, and swimmer. And I'm like, How the hell did that come from my DNA? <laughs> <And>
4: like,
3: <laughs> so, so yeah you're like
4: the improv artist, you've uh, excelled in your improv training at the Baltimore Improv Group going through. Uh, all the way through the highest level of improv class you can take, 501, right? It was the
3: highest. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the standard um, it is the standard curriculum for um, for improv, but it is the highest level. And
4: um, yeah, don't sell yourself short, Zod. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have some upcoming improv shows that will hopefully be uh, our, next show, gets our <laughs> next show?
3: Our next show, our next show is August. Fifth or six nice. it's the sunday the first sunday in august okay because it's part of uh the baltimore improv festival and uh my group full transparency which you can follow on instagram now i think i think they set up an instagram page i gotta i gotta i gotta get to the bottom of that yeah. <laughs> but it is a um yeah we will we will be doing a show where um we're doing a new format, which Al, I don't think you had a chance to see yet. It's called the Pretty Flower, which is really yeah. different than most improv formats. That the best way to describe it is it's like it starts with this like really, really grounded center and it goes out in these petals and then back into the center. Kind of like um, well, like Family Guy does that too, where it kind of goes and like has these weird tangents and then goes back in and okay. so yeah
4: interesting got a little uh tangent I'll, I'll look for the heart shape during your performance yeah i'll motion with my hands today
3: yeah no <laughs> one can see this in um in you know since no one can watch a pod watch a podcast but right. while you guys were drinking i decided i should do the same thing and so i am having i'm channeling my inner Toulouse Lautrec here and i'm going to have some eps oh
2: wow
1: yeah man it's uh I feel like I tried it doing that way, and either I used the wrong kind of sugar, or I didn't wait, or whatever. But to make absinthe even remotely palatable, you got to put like the whole fucking cube in there, if not like a, like three <laughs> or four. Oh, then you're getting the
3: wrong kind of absinthe. You don't like that, like kind of like pleasant licorice. Licorice? No, I hate
1: licorice. I hate
3: okay. it. I hate oh
4: god, it. I hate licorice and, too, dude. Yeah, like the oh, whole
1: you guys, piece, you guys that will hate absinthe. Thing, can't yeah. do it. But it's I
2: like
4: Grandier, that those flavors, yeah, I
2: just,
1: well, I think I, I I think it was an episode of uh that was disappointing, I don't know, maybe like two, three, four weeks ago where I found a small bottle of absinthe in my fridge that I think my wife had gotten somewhere, maybe my parents did, I don't know, but it just ended up there year and I've had it for a couple of years. figured I'd try it, took a shot during the show, and I instantly regretted it, instantly <laughs> regretted it, so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, I feel, uh, I feel Art, like it's, uh, yeah, not my thing, <laughs> but kudos <laughs> like, to those who can is what I'll say. Yes, yes. yes. For me then.
4: Yes, yes. While everyone's indulging, um, everyone's good for, um, I'm roughly estimating 1115 to 1120, which is eight fifteen, eight twenty. Art and saw so you're okay? That's I'm when gonna... I, yeah, that's an hour. That's literally an hour from 20. Are you going
1: to cut this out of the show or has the show not started? <laughs>
4: Oh, no, no, we've been recording this fun Okay, weekend. so you
1: were just talking about how late the show's going to go. No, I just want to make sure. It's you, so know, you know, kind
3: of like, like I, I, I know you're probably going to cut that out, but I always kind of dig, I kind of dig the, the whole, Is like... Like
4: the behind-the-scenes stuff?
3: Behind-the-scenes, like... Um,
4: mm.
3: I can imagine some listeners probably like that, where, like, you know, because basically... It's the realism.
4: Well, you know, I listened to yeah. Howard Stern, and he, he actually said, oh, I got to piss, I'll be back, you know? <laughs> well, and
1: so his... Like, at his price rate, he can do whatever he wants. He could so. do right.
4: right. Right. He had a guest. I forgot who it was that actually says, "Oh, I got to take a piss too," and he's like, "Yeah, you know, that's the first guest that actually has paused their interview to go take a piss." Well, I, does
3: he? Does I, he still like? Is his show still in a studio, or does he do? Yeah, it, he, he, uh, he does
4: it at the Sirius Satellite Studios in New York.
3: Okay, so and, and his guests are in person guests. They're not calling Zoom guests. I think he,
4: he has a combination of both. You know, like the Whack Pack is always okay. like Collins. You know, like wendy wendy the slow adult doesn't it? it used to be wendy the retard now it has to be called wendy the slow adult and mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to kind of you have to be very
1: it still to, exists though you know
4: the internet doesn't forget yeah you have to be sensitive to to the politically correct society so anyways yes um so we already did all the movie stuff now the second half is uh television and some other fun stuff um
1: oh great stuff i'm perfectly primed for since all yes. i watch is reruns of old shit
4: <laughs> so <laughs> got all the movie stuff out of my tv well first of all zod are you caught up on i'm not sure if art watches this show secret invasion I have, I, have
3: I have not, not seen the, the third like episode yet but i do know a major event happens in it
4: Okay. Are you okay if we discuss it? Yeah, of course. The major event. Yeah. Okay, well, there's a lot of major events that have happened already in the first mm-hmm. three episodes, and of course, in episode one, we sadly saw the demise of Maria Hill. It's yeah,
1: storm. which was a oh, spoiler alert! Jesus,
4: <laughs> who we love. You're okay with this, already, right? This was yeah, one I of- am.
1: I'm not. I'm probably not going to be watching this at this point. Okay. There's far too much Marvel content and way too many timelines storyline yeah. threads I, it's like if you didn't get on board that ship like around the time it's of the first avengers you're, you're you've missed it's
4: it all kinetic connected even before the first avengers are uh, going all the way back to iron man one but yes everything is like loosely connected <laughs> now so it's a, it is a tough to kind of pick up a series like the secret invasion when they have references to Captain marvel they have references to avengers end game and 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 um infinity war yeah, but,
3: Iron um, Man and um, Captain America.
4: Captain America. It's all uh, it's all in this series, and um, you know I'm a big fan of Sam Jackson, so and I'm a big fan of Amelia Clark, from Game of Thrones. So I had to tune into this show, and just based on the first three episodes, it was fantastic. Um, so you know
3: you've seen you've seen episode three.
4: I have seen episode three. I okay,
3: it three so episodes. so it's like. Um, so we can talk about it because I know like Gaia gets killed.
4: Well, she gets shot. So this is the thing: when we want when we saw Maria Hill get shot at the end of the first episode, the next episode two we got confirmation she was hauled off in a casket, and her mother was talking to Sam Jackson. You know, tell me what happened. You know, blah blah blah. Very emotional scene. You know, with mm-hmm. Sam Jackson, and then by by the end of episode three, we see. Amelia um, Clark's Gaia, who is a Skrull, get shot. But you always have to get that definitive answer when it comes right. to superhero stuff. So and I she, would
3: I would be shocked if they killed Gaia that way. That's what I I'm mean, saying. It would it was a stunner when Maria Hill was killed. That I will not yes. lie. I my jaw dropped when I saw that, and I, I was so. I was so sure, like they were gonna reveal it was a scroll or something, but then they never did.
4: <laughs> and joins the list of 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 um Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow, mm-hmm. and sadly Laura. also Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. Yeah, but in the crazy world of superheroes, people can come back, you know. that's true. But uh, Sam Jackson, he's just so brilliant in this role, Zod. I mean, he's just good. And, and and episode two was a very great scene. With him and Don Shield, did you see that Zod? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like you know, it brought you know, it kind of brought some social issues about you know, you and a people like you and I that look like you and I had to mm-hmm. you know, work even harder to to get to the positions yeah. where they were, you know. So they they did they did shoehorn that in a little bit, you know, being both the African American Avengers, you know, part of the Avengers in there, you know. But um, yeah, it's it's been a pretty exciting i mean there's some areas with slow burn but the one thing i can i, I can definitely say about secret Invasion is the acting is superb would you agree
3: oh absolutely absolutely yeah. I mean, samuel jackson has such a such an amazing pedigree i mean he's um and he's been playing, uh, he's actually been playing um, Nick Fury kind of reserved. And you can see, like, the weariness, world weariness behind behind him, like, in the way he's, uh, you know, before he gets, uh, like, you know, because there's lots of these, like, really quiet moments. And that's something that is kind of, like, uh, kind of, like, often underrated when it comes to Samuel L. Jackson's acting ability. Like, he's... Everyone knows him for, like, you know... And I will burn down upon thee with, you know, doing the whole, like, Ezekiel...
4: Uh, furious, was not furious, furious anger!
3: anger. Yeah, no or so like... His, to yeah, or like, yeah, that's my wallet. Bad motherfucker. You know, and he's... Uh, but, like, he's actually... I mean, there's a reason why he's, you know, such a great actor and in such great demand. And it is like because he he counterpoints it with uh, these like really, really kind of like moments of like, you know, I will I'll say like sobriety more like kind of like melancholic sobriety, which is yeah. And he pulls it off so well.
4: And let's not forget Ben Mendelsohn, who plays Talos. Mm hmm the talos character is fantastic it is story. a
3: curious choice to uh I, I mean just from the comic books talos was not a heroic figure in the comics i will not say that <laughs> at all they,
4: they deviated from the comic book and, oh and, yeah they
3: deviated entirely from the comics with the scrolls right. although i mean in this one you know because the scrolls were up until about um I would say about maybe ten years ago in the comics, and this is so this is like forty years of comic comic books. The scrolls were like such reliable villains; like they were always bad guys. And um, so it's interesting to see how things have changed.
4: Oh, hey, surprise joining us! My favorite AMW. Who ah! is Sarah? Hello, actress, model, whatever. yeah.
1: You gotta throw you gotta throw a little bit more sass on the whatever, Al. (laughs)
4: I'm an actress model, whatever. Yeah, there you go. I just model whatever. That's right. She's a social media influencer, model, actress. Um wow, the list goes on and on, right? Sarah Stop Bentman. I know you're not watching Marvel's Secret Invasion, but we were just talking about that. Oh nice. (laughs) yeah we're just talking how brilliant sam jackson is um as an actor i mean he is uh just one of the greats of all time um and of course ben Mendelssohn, i mean as as uh talos is it talos or talos i think it was talos
3: well they pronounce it talos i always thought it was talos it would make sense t-a-l-o-s but yeah if that's how they pronounce it in the you know in the show then i guess that's how it's pronounced
4: yeah, exactly. Um, now, has anyone watched The Idol on HBO? I've been meaning to watch it. Um, it's... Um,
1: uh, yeah. I I want to see if it's uh, oh, yeah. as big of a dumpster fire as they say.
4: They say it's a dumpster fire, but it's, uh, yeah, The weekend, Um Bobble? Abel? Tespe? That's his real name. That's his government name. And um, Lily Rose Depp, who, as you know, is Johnny Depp's daughter. And... Um, yeah, I guess uh, the fifth episode um, apparently just showed the twist, more of the twisted relationship between um, Jocelyn, the character played by Lily Rose, and the nightclub owner, Pedro's, played by Weekend, as it sunk deeper into dangerous territory as he tried to con- basically control every aspect of his life, of, of her life, Jocelyn's life and career so that's basically what you're getting there but in five episodes basically yes you said it was a dumpster fire already but uh i mean it, it, it's known for its raciness it's known for its uh, explicit explicit sex scenes which uh i'm curious because know. it's like i don't know
1: reading the imdb descriptions they don't sound all that i mean like it's not, i've seen worse shit on euphoria so <laughs> <laughs>
3: well i think i think uh, it gets a. Uh, maybe it gets kind of a bad rap because it does evoke more of the like skinamax style of like raciness like oh
4: that's, the soft that's, core so- style of things
3: yeah yeah and it's like it's sometimes it's it feels like it's boobs just for boobs sake ah uh,
4: yeah it's it's really interesting because uh at sundance in 2016 i saw lily rose depp and her her good friend haley sorry harley quinn smith who, as you know, is Kevin Smith's daughter. They were in a movie called Yoga Hosers. And uh, that was Kevin Smith's, um, I think, uh, third film in the – it was like Tusk and and another film that are kind of like that trilogy of uh, horror films that he did. Um, Horror comedy, I guess you would say. And at the time, she was, you know, a very precocious young 15-year-old, 16-year-old girl, you know. Now, like, you're watching this this crazy series now, and – uh, so I don't know It's just the, the range that she went through To get up there is kind of crazy But I'm, I'm curious what Johnny Depp thinks That's what I want to know <laughs> Yeah I mean he seems like to be a Really cool that he would accept it Because it is part of the industry you know And a lot of young actresses Kind of start off with the the crazy roles first. I mean look at Margot Robbie She had to go full frontal In Wolf of Wall Street you know And then she eventually You know now is considered, you know, an A-list, Oscar. Has she been nominated for an Oscar? Yeah, she was nominated for um, I, Tonya, I believe, yeah. So she's in that caliber, that elite uh, group of, but she, you know, group of actors, but she still had to do nudity first, you know? So, Well,
3: I mean, she was, she was already established before that, like, before Woke of Wall Street, wasn't she? That wasn't, like, her... Um...
4: I think that was her breakthrough role. Was Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. I feel like that's
1: where I didn't. I mean, I remember seeing I Tanya came out before then, right?
4: I Tanya was, no, that I was after. That's Was
1: after? Then I, Wolf did. of Wall Street's the very first thing I remember her in, and I'm sure she's had plenty of other roles, but that was the first yeah. time, I, yeah, I noticed her.
4: Yeah, yeah. Sarah, what do you feel about actresses doing nudity? Um, do you? And have you been asked to do anything in a film before? I know you've done your fair share of independent film.
5: (laughs) Uh, Well, um, I don't think you need to go nude in order to get, like, a big break or anything like this. Like, I feel like there are other ways. Like, I know, like, so many actresses that that haven't, you know, done anything nude or implied. And they are, like, you know, fine or, like, A-listers. I feel like there's A-listers out there that have not gone nude.
4: There's Um, a bunch, yeah. And it's certainly a testament of their acting ability, you know yeah uh, but yeah i mean but there's there's you know there's a lot of actors that have and uh um i'm i'm certainly not complaining about Margaret, you know <laughs> as a big fan of her work many of her films mm-hmm. are you gonna see art's like uh-huh are you gonna see, like, uh-huh. mm-hmm. are you gonna see Bar- is anyone gonna see the barbie movie with uh i'm i'm I definitely gonna see. It. yeah <laughs> yeah I think I'm curious.
1: The, I'm curious to see what it's about, you know, just see how. Yeah,
4: I'm, you know, um, well, moving on to TV. Uh, wow, over you're on that,
3: right. The Wolf of Wall Street was her first American that's role. What,
4: that's what I thought. See, outside hello. Of, outside hello. of Australia.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
4: oh
3: no, she was in an episode. She was in Pan Am, the TV show Pan Am. It, nobody was, saw oh. that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah,
4: that's true. But that's, that's why it was out for
1: I think like one season, maybe two
3: yeah exactly
4: so that was her big break yeah Yeah. and she went she went all out for that for that role and so did mia goth you know she she went all out for her role so did um um there's there's a bunch that kind of did very very racy stuff early in their career and moved on you know to do other stuff so um Okay, so uh, next is uh, Max. So it went from HBO to HBO Max, and now it's just plain Max. It's like, Jesus, (laughs) make up your mind. But uh, Max is getting a Dune series called Dune the Sisterhood. Mm -hmm. And they just added Olivia Williams and Jodie May um, as part of the cast. So this will be a prequel. Of, of Dune, ten thousand years before the ascension of Paul Atreides. Ten thousand years, good God, it's a lot.
1: Yeah, well, I mean that that the the story takes place way in the future anyway. So
4: yeah, so would ten thousand years be like modern, like our time, contemporary times today,
1: perhaps? Yeah, maybe, or a little before. I I've, it's been a while since I've read the book, but or the first book I should say. But it's this uh um. But yeah, I just remember. Even, I didn't even know it in that. It was until I was reading up on the story that I realized how far in the future it was. And that explains why they have such technology, but at the same time they use such um, – a, a lot of things seem archaic at the same time. And that's because there was a technological upheaval and revolt. So essentially they made – you know they kept the technology that they could control and they got rid of everything else. So, uh, essentially, it's like, imagine after Terminator. And if, okay. you, if you win, then that's what happened,
3: yeah. Yeah, and it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be the, like, our future. Like, if it's going 10,000 years in the past, wouldn't that be, like, our world? Like, our regular yeah. world? That's what I feel yeah. like. But I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to see what they're going to do with it.
4: Yeah. I mean, I mean if this...
3: they do the, the whole sisterhood story with, um, um oh, gosh, I can't remember the name, the the mother character
4: from
1: <laughs> what is her name I, I only remember rebecca is the actress
3: name. Rebecca
4: ferguson I I, is the, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't remember the character's name
1: <laughs> the mother
4: character. i read the book i
1: can't believe it i don't remember the character i saw that's the
3: movie It's okay it's
4: si, okay if you don't remember
1: <laughs> well no again it's just like hey i read the book like i don't know 45 years ago so i've you yeah. no, I, I barely remember all i remember is how convoluted it was yeah and yeah. uh and and I do I did enjoy the movie or the first film I should say, um, and I also realized it's like even though he did a really good job and he split in the two movies, there's still so much that doesn't make sense if you didn't read the book. <laughs> <So>.
2: Right. Right.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably a wise thing is probably read the book first. Um, what else do we have? So over on stars, uh, is anyone watching the heels show? Um, I mean, no one here is a wrestling fan other than me, so. <laughs> but it's, it has I mean, uh steven uh
3: Stephen it's got Stephen amell yep, from
4: yeah from arrow and it just uh yeah just dropped the season two um trailer for the upcoming uh season two and uh we get to see more of cm pond in this particular season and his wife aj lee is in it too i saw them in the trailer oh. as well um but um yeah basically it picks up right after Stephen Amell's character jack spade has been through the ringer with his personal life after parting ways with his family um so you kind of get yeah it's going to immediately start right at the end of where season one's finale took place it's going to go directly into the next one so um yeah um now art you've been a part of the san diego comic-con as if uh as part of your uh uh, before, last
1: year, yeah, yeah. before last
4: year yeah Before last yeah so they just announced uh, a quiet they're calling a much quieter 2023 san diego comic-con oh yes
1: and a lot
4: you know, a lot of it has to do with the ongoing writer's strike and the looming threat of the after strike
1: Yep.
4: Was, it's, it's been recently extended to mid-july now for um productions to wrap up before you know making a, a decision but, like, a lot of the major studios will not be there. Marvel, Lucasfilm, HBO, Universal, Sony, or Netflix will not be there. So what is left? I mean, you have Max Animation. They'll have a presence there. Um, they'll also have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, which is the rebooted animated film by Seth Rogen. Mm. Um, they'll have Ghosts, you know, one of the top comedies on Paramounts. Um, They'll have um, The Wheel of Time Season 2, which I've never watched. I mean, apparently people like it. I've never
3: never seen that either. That was something something like uh, oftentimes, and this is not entirely fair. Well, actually, I can't say fair or unfair to Amazon because Amazon is like its own, you know, it's impossible to be fair or not fair and you shouldn't feel bad about not being fair to amazon but like i don't really yeah. i don't really think of amazon prime shows immediately unless they absolutely blow me away like and, the boys like, boys. like boys the boys, is real, yeah the
4: boys is really one of the few shows that blew me away
3: yeah yeah but it's like you know, I don't go and look for shows on Amazon Prime the way I did on, you know, I I did on Netflix or on on Mac, on HBO Max or any of those other things. So like, like I finally saw um, the uh, what Good Omens that Neil Gaiman.
4: Yes. Yeah, so
3: yeah I stuff. finally saw that two years after it had originally been introduced, and. Okay. And I think, uh, I think like Wheel of Time falls into that with like it being on Amazon Prime, which is actually kind of to its detriment.
4: Interesting. Yeah, not too many great um, um, properties, uh, uh, franchises being uh, uh, showcased at SDCC. Another one is the Twisted Metal series on Peacock. Hmm. And um, what we do in the shadows.
3: Okay, well, that's a great show. That's a
4: a good one. Yeah. Yeah. What we do in shadows, Sarah. Sarah, you actually watch that show? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That one. That's a solid show. You had yep. some really big enthusiasm about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, that, uh,
3: I guess that a new season's coming out soon for that, huh? I think so.
2: Well, yep, hopefully,
4: yep. yeah. The Upcoming season, uh, yep, will be yeah because everyone in the panels are, are promoting the upcoming seasons.
1: Yeah, because they left it off at a pretty pretty cool you know cliffhanger thing so (laughs) and that actually that actually brings up an interesting
3: question like is um with the with the writer's strike going on like um i know um at least a couple of the cast members were also in the writer's room and so like are they allowed to like with the writer's strike going on are they allowed to promote the show
4: Yes, because it's already it, I think it's because it's already in the can. Okay. If it's in production and writers are needed, they've either in solidarity decided not to support it, or they just have, haven't moved forward on the production because of the strike. hmm So that's why Captain America, the newest film, was was in a rush to wrap by the end of June, even though they did extend the current contract, the sag after contract, uh, until July twelfth.
2: Mm-hmm. okay so
4: yeah so anything that's and if you notice it's kind of a this is all we have oh there's only one like the only one left that i didn't mention is archer has their 14th and final season so compare these panels to previous one when they had marvel and oh, yeah. all these big proper like it's, well, they'll,
3: they'll still have like the comic book panels and stuff like that
4: they'll have the comic book panels yeah but it, it fails in comparisons to previous comic cons while well, the big problems yeah. you know not being there and uh arty you were a part of some of those big uh panels last year the ones that were affiliated with disney right
1: well just the ones that are affiliated with the disney television animation stuff so right yeah, yeah. Oh, know, like, so,
4: but but a subsidiary of disney like marvel or star wars you didn't get to go to those panels or you weren't no i
1: mean there? i also was just like too busy like when yeah.
3: when you talk about disney television animation are you talking about stuff like I'm like, um,
1: it's not Kim possible. What is it? Kim possible the... was one of them. Oh, okay. Mean, that's gone. I mean, that show's been off the air, but yeah, it's that sort of okay. stuff. Okay.
3: It's that, that kind of stuff. It isn't like that
1: new X-Men cartoon that's coming out or, uh, no, I feel like that's something under, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think about it, right? but I feel like that's like a, another vendor or another studio that's just doing it in partnership or something. I see. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I, I thought that was Disney, but uh-huh. Okay i mean disney i mean this might be under the fox thing or not fox i should say um 20th century it could be under 20th century Mm -hmm. those are the folks doing that so
4: so yeah this trek is pretty crazy guys so extended to july 12th so if the two parties do not reach an agreement um, which is the uh, sag actor union the actors union the wga and the studios um, by the end of July 12th, then the union could call a strike, which be, basically it's, will be its first in four decades. This is the first one for, for the SAG-AFTRA and WGA to have a strike. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a, a writer's strike, I'm going to say what? 2009. 20, 2008 or
1: 2009?
4: Okay, yeah. 2009. That's when the, the the whole reality television boom you know, people like johnny Fairplay are becoming celebrities which yeah mm-hmm. uh, so we will see i'm ve- we have to monitor it very closely because it'll be very 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 curious to see how this uh will unfold guys so uh um okay. but uh next i'm gonna listen to some celebrity gossip stuff apparently Britney Spears, Britney Spears, rather, <laughs> was, singing, was singing, yeah, that too. Britney Spears was singing Hit Me Baby one more time after the security of Antonio Spurs basketball star Victor when Bayama was at a restaurant. Apparently, one of the security team slapped Britney uh, when after Britney tapped him on the shoulder to say hi Hmm. And it's crazy because this is not, I mean, this is not a regular civilian fan, as as Dean Rogers says, civilian. Uh, this is not a regular person. This is Britney fucking Spears. Yeah. And she wants to greet her favorite NBA star. And apparently, according to uh Victor's team, they're saying that they pushed her hand away and she slapped herself they pushed her hand. So <laughs> So um, now it's argument even explain
3: that she they pushed her hand away and she slapped herself. well they,
4: yeah because she pushed it and then they pushed it like pushed it away from her and she ended up slapping her, her herself <laughs> yeah that, a,
3: that, that couldn't possibly be hard enough to be considered a slap even yeah. if that was true right.
4: wow she said I, it was really loud i tapped him on the shoulder to get her attention um the statement said that I grabbed him from behind. I simply tapped him on the shoulder, then his security backhanded me in the face without looking back in front of the crowd. Wow. Mm.
3: That's a is, that's that's crazy. I cannot imagine like the security being so overzealous. First of all, yeah, to, right. to even to even strike a petite woman mm. and um right. and, that is i mean no matter even if it wasn't britney spears like what the hell like
4: uh yeah i think it was that they pushed the hand away and then inadvertently she's kind of like struck herself as she does but at the same time britney did make a very good point even though she's a little mentally not well as you know she's naked a lot on her instagram posts and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um she said she did make a very good point she said i get sworn by people all the time in fact, that night I was uh, was run by a group of at least 20 fans. My security team did not hit any of them. That's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Britney Spears is a megastar. Not many people know who this Victor guy is. You know, I mean, she was a fan of the, this this basketball star. And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm Team Britney on this one. Um, but I, I really feel that the security guard didn't intentionally hit her whether it was her hand or was partly the 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 securities hand smacking her. Um I think it was definitely inadvertent. They were just trying to push push the person away. I mean that's what I think, but uh I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um
1: Yeah, I'm Team Brittany on that one, so <laughs>
4: Team Brittany yeah, Team Brittany uh, Britney, <laughs> leave her alone. I just, I keep, keep on seeing more of her Instagram posts because she's, <laughs> she does all these crazy dances. She's doing all these crazy dances, like with her dog and like, and then she was like naked and a whole bunch of uh, all. <laughs> uh, we
1: all know why you want more Britney posts, but yes, yes. <laughs> we got it.
4: You got it. Artie, you know me too well, art you Big do know
1: birth.
4: Me too well. Shit. Oh, bring that back. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: oh my oh my oh my all right what else do we have in celebrity gossip a temporary protective order against ezra miller as you know he's the flash uh was lifted by a massachusetts judge uh originally uh set to expire july 1st and apparently this is uh from shannon Gwynn, who accused ezra of, of behaving inappropriately around her 12 year old child yeah. Um, and apparently, she was incur- uh, encouraged by today's outcome. And very grateful for everyone that stood beside her uh, and sought to ensure that this egregious misuse of the protective order system was halted. Wow. Um, so I guess um, she wanted it extended beyond July 1st, is what I'm gathering from this. I mean, when you're when you're dealing with a 12-year-old child, and if Miller was accused of inappropriately acting towards a child then yes it it should should not have expired at all despite his public apologies and stuff like that and miller of course is saying that it was false claims Um, they failed to uh, report the truth of the story blah 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 Um, but sadly i think the flash might be ezra miller's last major major studio project in a long time long time um i
1: hope they didn't leave it on a cliffhanger
4: (laughs) i think it was pretty definitive so did you finally get a chance because we didn't we didn't get this did we see flash together i can't recall
3: We did not because i was out of town when it opened that's right
4: (laughs) yeah i thought it was i thought it was definitive because you know it's all about the multiverse and where flash ended it kind of established where we saw the second iteration of Batman, or there's actually three iterations of Batman. We had the Michael Keaton version, the Ben Affleck version. And in the very end, we saw the George Clooney version. Oh, that's Um,
1: hilarious.
4: So it's like,
1: that's funny.
4: And of course we have all these other like Batman in a montage, you know, like Adam West and stuff. But, but really there's only three that were on screen. Um, the other ones was through the magic of CG or whatever, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, so, and um,
3: so, yeah, they're not. I mean, because it it was it's considered like a major like box office flop, isn't it?
4: It's a, it's unfortunate because it yeah, had nah. it done well. They would have probably reconsidered casting Ezra in another Flash or keeping him as the Flash. But I think that the bad behavior kind of marred that, you know. And of course, the Spider Verse movie, I think doing so well close to the recent flash didn't uh didn't help also you know i don't know um also allison mack the um you know the <laughs> girl from smallville who uh was Miss nexium yeah this yeah Nex- that's right
3: it was, it was nexium that's what it was called it sounds like some kind of like software chip
1: maker it sounds like a chip maker. Or it sounds like a skincare product. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's super sketch.
4: It's, <laughs> sadly, it's a sex trafficking. Um, yeah,
1: it's like sex. Cult.
4: Yeah, Fast, sex cult.
1: fascinating podcast about that, uh, which they ended up turning into the HBO documentary. So uh,
4: they had yeah, they ended up making a documentary. Check out that
1: story if you haven't.
4: <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy how basically they're trafficked and abused by Keith Rainier. Who um, is now faced with 14 to 17 and a half years behind bars? He pleaded guilty back in 2021. I and had such
3: a big crush on Allison Mack. I remember back in back in the day too.
4: <laughs> <laughs> she did. She's definitely your type, but is she your type now, Zod? After after what? She,
3: after <laughs> well, what she's she's probably a little bit like uh, well, like let let's see. Well, she's she's obviously kind of a sociopath.
2: Right,
3: and uh <laughs> and then and then she's undoubtedly been hardened while in prison so true. she could be my type,
4: she, could
3: be my
4: type. <laughs> <laughs> she only served two years is that enough to uh no,
3: well, well it's probably not i mean unless it's uh unless it's some i mean i guess it even like a low security prison i mean you've seen orange is the new black it's still not oh. a fun place none not a fun place to be
2: <laughs>
3: right
4: next him did some really really horrific things now i mean yeah you're right art the hbo hit docuseries the vow which uh aired its first season and then the second season 22 2022 was um discussed all of it um if you want to check that out um and um the lot do I have one more gossip thing yeah I have one more gossip thing and that's the whole this is a crazy twist in the whole rust debacle where helena hutchins uh, the cinematographer was killed due to a loaded gun handled by alec baldwin so apparently the armor was charged last week with evidence tampering for handing off drugs um in october 2021 and by doing so she interfered with the investigation so she was apparently drinking and smoking marijuana in the evenings during production. She might have been hung over at the time of the shooting. And on that very day, she could have been hung over high, drinking, and said, fuck it. Let me put a bullet in this prop. You know, like, holy shit. This is an interesting twist because, you know, people are trying to, you know, like the three, three Spider-Mans pointing at each other, blaming mm-hmm. everyone, playing Alec. Blaming the armor, blaming the producer, you know, but uh, I think really after reading this, I think it really can. You can point the finger solely at the armor, Mm. you know, being hung over at the time of the shooting, you know, and being charged for negligently firing weapon and killing her. So you bring in drugs and alcohol and the fact that, yeah, I mean, that's just not, it's not a good look, guys. It's just not no, a good look. not uh, not a good look yet. Yeah, it there's so, problems. And you know what's crazy? They are gonna finish Rust, um, and Alec is you know gonna finish his work uh, as a lead in that film, and it all obviously is uh, the blessing of. Lena Hutchins' husband. They wouldn't have been able to continue and finish the film, so they're making like a dedication for her, which mm-hmm. I guess is the proper way to handle it, right? Would you agree? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I mean, if they, got, yeah. if they got the sign-off on it, and they're going to, you know, and dedicate it, and, you know, maybe have a message
4: or something, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think uh, people want, I guess, you know, people are going to want to see it. They're going to want to see how, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think they're going to edit out that scene when that Alec points
1: I'm sure <laughs> they'll have a different take or they'll probably redo that yeah
4: Do you think a disclaimer might be needed too I mean, it's just some i don't pretty-
1: i mean i don't i've never seen a disclaimer in a film yeah a, like a, a like a theatrical film I'm, they do that all the time on like you know netflix or whatever but i've never seen it on a theatrical so i doubt it but i mean then again they didn't leave the footage in on the crow did they or did they Ooh, I thought a they had a particular take and they didn't use that take, but I could be wrong.
4: That's a good question. I think that was that not off camera. I don't I think remember. It was off camera. I think that I instead of they, they were just camera. like
3: playing around with it. That's when it happened. It wasn't. It wasn't filmed.
4: It wasn't filmed, but it would had some wonky CG for you know his to finish the film, and they had a stand in or a body double, and then they just kind of at the time the cg was horrific
3: i really wonder i haven't seen that movie pretty much since it came out i really wonder what it would be like to see that now
1: yeah i'd be curious too yeah Uh.
4: it's it's crazy because i remember just how bad cg effect is that was like the early part of cg was in the 90s Mm -hmm. and something was just so god awful. Like, I mean, practical effects are good because practical effects are practical effects. They use them today. They use them back in the day. But like CG early was so bad. <laughs> I remember watching um, Bill and Ted too because yeah. I wanted to watch both films before the third film. So I watched two, and I remember just the the effects being so so bad, like just horrific. Even the practical effects are
1: god awful. Oh well, that that's a whole huge discussion that. You could make an entire show out of, of just, you know, what people considered to be great or good or passable effects and how that changes in ages. I mean, if you think about movies we saw even five years ago, we'd be like, that looks pretty fucking good. And then you go yeah. and watch it now, you'd be like, that looks like garbage. So, well, a, you know, counterpoint for that.
3: If you watch Jurassic Park now. That, that one still looks
1: fantastic. That one, for the most part, still holds up. Yeah. Yes. And it's because they did the, the best blend of mostly practical, uh-huh. some digital, and incredibly detailed stop motion. That works. Like, that their stop motion is so detailed, unless you know what you're looking for, you can't tell when they're using it.
4: mm. What about um Star Wars Episode One? All the the things you mean went.
1: pre before? Oh wait, Episode One with Jar Jar.
4: Yeah, with Jar Jar. Oh, what, dude, that
1: looks like they it shot it on a green screen because they did. Yeah,
3: yeah that one. Yeah. Or, or or another movie that I haven't seen since it came out, but I remember I thought it was awesome when I saw it when it came out, it's kind of forgotten now. You, know, you guys remember a movie called Sky Captain World of Tomorrow? I remember. I never saw it, but
1: yeah, with Angelina Jolie, right?
3: Angelina Jolie and Jude Law and yep. uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and I that like blew my mind when I saw that because it was I mean it was stylistically in black and white and obviously it was it was all done on a green screen but at the time I was like wow this is amazing and uh, I gotta wonder especially because it's like completely forgotten today mm. it probably is not held up well
1: you know I, I felt the same when I just looked at some clips from um Sin City. At the time it looks so good and on point. And going back, it's like if you go into it realizing it's supposed to look like panels of a comic book, it's one thing. Mm-hmm. But because it was shot, I believe, mostly digital, it's like it it's it just there's something weird about it. It's just right. fucking weird.
4: Oh that's no. that's definitely worth a rewatch for sure. I gotta I
1: gotta rewatch
3: those. Yeah. The Sin both Sin City movies. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, they were. I mean, they were uh, groundbreaking during its time. Oh, of were.
1: course, yeah. Nobody's like
3: nobody. But they were taken. They were taken almost directly from the comics, even yes. to the point where they like copied panel by panel. Panel
4: by panel. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: and it's even like... Jessica
4: Alba's uh, tower scene. Everything. Uh huh. Of course, <laughs> you had to bring that up again <laughs> too. Well, huh? <laughs> gotta remember that. I'm Sarahs rolling her eyes. <laughs>
1: You know, Sarah, if you if you chime in and jump in more, he'll probably say less stuff like that. I think he keeps yeah. forgetting you're here. You have to remind him to be a gentleman. Yeah.
4: I am yeah. a gentleman, aren't I, Sarah B? Come on, I'm still a gentleman. Hey,
1: hey, no leading the witness. Don't you try that gaslight bullshit while she's on uh,
4: the-, the Gaslight bullshit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, we're wrapping up tonight's show. Um, of course, we end with the RIPs, and then we'll go into plugs before we end the show. Um, sadly, we lost uh, some legends and some great young artists uh, that sadly passed before their their prime. Um, first is the, the veterans, Alan Arkin. Um, you know, he won an Oscar for Little Miss Sunshine.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, sadly, passed away at the age of eighty nine. He
3: was the star of one of the very first movies my parents got a videotape for. I remember. <laughs> The movie The In Laws, because I remember my parents talking about that. Yes. <laughs> that was a that, that movie came out like nineteen eighty or something. And they, my parents yeah. loved to talk about like the very first movie they ever rented from a movie, <laughs> from a video store was The In Laws. And that starred
1: Alan Arkin and Peter Falk. Peter Falk. Oh yeah. I, my 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 favorite's uh, a movie that nobody's ever heard of called Coupe Deville. and uh that was yeah he played a father in that one who was trying to get his his estranged sons back together he was a fucking great actor man and it took him way too long to get an oscar
4: yeah a little miss sunshine he, he won the oscar and he was nominated uh for his role as a russian sailor in um the russians are coming the russians are coming in 1966 so that was best actor nomination didn't win it but uh um and then i got another oscar nom for the heart is a lonely hunter in 1968 mm. so he didn't win all the way until 2006 after doing oh, those two. oh
1: and i forgot wasn't wasn't he in um wait until dark with natalie wood oh was he i feel like he was like you know um i think he was the bad guy in that yeah he was the bad guy in that wait okay until he was dark. in
4: that and then he got his fourth Academy Award nom for his movie producer role in Argo in 2012.
1: Ah, right. He was in Argo,
4: yeah. Yeah, which his uh, signature line was, Argo, fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that was in 2012. Yeah. So he was very, very missed. Um, another legendary actor is Marja Dean who starred opposite Clint Eastwood. Vincent Price. <laughs> oh my god, these are old actors. <laughs> Mr. Williams, George Reeves. <laughs> 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 In the uh, sci-fi classic The Quarter Mass Experiments. So um she lived to 101. And then you have like the young artists that pass away. Um, this one is Foko Lee, Hong Kong board singer singer-songwriter. Sadly passed away due to committing suicide in her home. Um, she was only 48 years old. Damn, that's really, really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, also uh we lost Robert De Niro's grandson, Leandro De Niro Rodriguez at the age of 19. And sadly um, he died um, due to fentanyl, fentanyl-laced drugs. And I've said it on the show many times, man, you motherfucking drug dealers, you get that fucking fentanyl out of your goddamn drugs and stop fucking killing people. I'm goddamn serious. Too many fucking goddamn people died.
1: It's a bad business model. It just oh. doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't make any sense.
4: Seriously. It's, it's, it's just
1: that it makes it, like, cheaper
3: to make? Like, it, I've never really understood why they do that.
1: I, I I don't know. I mean, it's like, I feel like, unless fentanyl is just this perversely cheap additive, mm-hmm. and they're trying to just boost the experience, I don't know. I can't imagine it being that cheap, because, I mean, it's, you know... Yeah, it's like I remember. That's the sort of shit you see in hospitals. So it's just I, I don't know. I don't know.
4: A colleague that I think everybody in this room knows, but I'll withhold the name. Said that it it, it makes the in low doses can make it more more addictive. Adds more addictive qualities to. to. Okay.
1: That's
4: more what's that? Oh, addictive more quality. Got makes it more addictive.
3: addictive. So it's like a, like I guess the, the the dealers and the and the provide and the suppliers there what they're doing is like they're trying to do this balancing act where they don't put too put enough in. I mean, they don't put too much in, but they're they're constantly fucking that up and that's why people are dying
2: constantly. People, are dying. people yeah. yeah,
1: these are fucking, you know, <laughs> these are people who who did not pass like high school chemistry for sure and right. Yeah. So they're all
3: they're all like Jesse Pinkman without the
1: Eggs, without the Walter White, yeah. yeah. Without um, the
3: charming qualities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just it's like yo, Chili, chili
4: bee, dog. Yeah, Chili
1: yeah. F, I guess. All-
4: this kid was nineteen years old, and, and to know people that have passed away from fentanyl, it it definitely is uh. It's 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 an epidemic, man. You know, yeah. and it's 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 heartbreaking, man. They they should immediately immediately take everything out of that, and it just. It's just, it's horrible. It's horrific. But mm-hmm. to continue before I get on my emotional side again, we also lost uh, Houston rapper Big Pokey. I'm familiar with him. He actually collapsed on stage. Can you believe that? Yeah. There's actually I... a, so, a, a video on social media showing Pokey taking the microphone in front of the crowd. He takes a breath and then he falls backward. So, so did, they,
2: but,
3: did they say what he died of?
4: Well, the, the not known. Um, it says a preliminary autopsy report was inconclusive. Yeah. And last but not least, um, in the wrestling world, we lost Darren draws This had a little bit of a, a sad side. He was a Maryland guy. He went to university of Maryland. He wrestled as the draws in WWE. He, back in 1999, he was dropped on his head accidentally in the ring and he was paralyzed. Um, I think from the, from, was it from the waist down or from the neck down? Um, And, um, and that's when he sadly recently died due to natural causes, because when you're paralyzed, your, your, your organs don't perform as well as they should. Um, Darren Drossel was also in the NFL for three seasons. He played for the New York Jets, the Eagles, and the Denver Broncos. And then went into wrestling in 1998, and then only wrestled a year before wrestling D'Lo Brown and D'Lo Brown um, performed some move, and then he landed. Draws landed on his head, and then he fractured two neck vertebrae. Um, so he eventually recovered moving his, in his arms, but he was paralyzed from the arms down. Um, so that's really sad. But then, with death, we celebrate life for those um born today uh include um our game of thrones baby kim harrington and rose leslie that's john sononia grit have welcomed Mm -hmm. their second child congratulations to them and um naomi campbell i think he's way into her 50s already she actually um welcomed the second child and she already has a two-year-old daughter so congratulations to her and then, of course, people celebrating a birthday today on July six includes the original Robin Burt Ward. He's seventy eight. <laughs> actor Jeffrey Rush is seventy two. Uh, actor Brian Posehn from Just Shoot Me. He's a funny actor. He's fifty seven.
3: <laughs> he's a he's a fantastic stand up too. I got fifty
4: seven. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He also,
3: if you've seen a picture of him recently, he's
1: really looking his age now. <laughs> well, I mean, like, he he was looking a little rough towards the end of Big Bang Theory, but just yeah. like, I did, it's just like, still, it's like, he's it's, it's always just looked that way. So, yeah. I
3: don't
2: know. One of his things, up, he, you, always,
3: he always talked about how, like, in all of his shows, he would he would always say, if you have weed, then he would smoke it with you in the parking lot. <laughs> every ah! every stop of his tours, that's what he would do. Oh, and, I,
2: happened,
3: I happened to see him at McGoobie's which is like right down the street from here. And I didn't have any weed on me; otherwise, I'd be hanging out with him. Hey, July first,
4: <laughs> oh. congratulations! Happy 420 for July for people celebrating on July first. Right? Oh yeah! In the, of, in the state of Maryland, marijuana is now legal, so um, oh, yeah um also rapper 50 cent it's your birthday we're gonna party like it's your <laughs> birthday he's 48
1: oh man dude fitty almost fitty holy fitty shit
4: is almost 50 ah, dude holy that's shit.
1: nuts man he better do something big for that because otherwise what's the point
4: I, right 50 cents is 50 right Yeah. Uh, the Taoist sisters from sister sister that's TN tamara maori are 45
3: jeez that makes me feel oh, old. Can
4: right? you believe they're older than Kevin Hart, who just turned 44? Happy birthday, Kevin Hart.
2: <laughs>
4: oh, And Eva Green from Penny Dreadful is 43. That is birthdays today.
3: Eva Green, she's uh, also in James
1: Bond, right? That's the same same actress.
3: She was in like the,
1: <laughs> what was it? Um, was she in Quantum of Solace? Or was I think she she's in, in the, Casino Royale. Casino Royale. Yes, yeah, the same one I'm thinking of. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was quite the, uh, quite the beauty. And go back to, um, go back to. Oh my god, why can't I remember the name of the movie? Holy shit. He's in. She's in one of the Sin Cities, also. She wasn't before that, though. The movie that put her on the map, fucking, it was an Italian movie. The, um, oh my god, I suck. I suck so bad right now. Um,
4: <laughs> that's fuck. Fun, right? I know. You could you quickly google it. I can I can uh, I know.
1: I'm going to I'm going to remember. Yeah, you
4: look it up there are but no, I did I, I should not be remiss um here in the the, the D&D dreamers, box. that's it. The I dreamers. It the dreamers. The dreamers. I there forgot one more RIP shout out are the victims, the two victims from the Baltimore block party shootout. Oh, you know?
3: yeah, god. Speech. That's that's pretty fucking terrible. It's yeah. really
4: really fucked up when you have families and kids involved. And some what, what, did gang they
1: say, have they figured out what's happening because i haven't followed up on that but like did they didn't they sarah, have somebody they suspect or something or
4: they don't even have suspects but sarah you you're familiar with the area and in fact there was there they believe it is gang related but i guess they don't have a particular person or person of interest right now do they no no it's so sad i really i really hope they catch catch the shooter and uh and justice is served in that case um very very sad two people died i think 20 people were shot i mean i guess one thing we can say at least the, the casual count was low considered how many people were shot 20 people mm-hmm. were shot but, but two people had passed away so rest in peace to to those that passed away so um and uh closing out tonight's show um any shameless plugs you want to plug anything Art Hall. I think,
1: I think Sarah has a plug.
4: Sarah, do you have any plugs? You no. are a she, social media
1: influencer. She's offered a cumulative a- seven words this, this uh, appearance. So we need to give
4: her the stage now. Sarah is a social media influencer. And from time to time, yeah, you, where need are you help- where, what's your what you're at?
5: Um, I'm at Sarah underscore Gabriella.
4: That's right. And I-, I think I have
5: one plug. I'm on Times Square Billboard. Uh, right now which
4: is
3: yes great. that's a that's a pretty huge that's, that's huge that's a pretty awesome. big plug yeah yeah what's, that's, what's that's, it that's for? a big plug what's it for yeah
2: it's modeling um i got picked to model with a
5: with a designer so i was like ah. <laughs> but,
3: but what's the uh, what's the product that you're modeling
5: shop the runway it's it's a it's a, like a designer. Oh,
4: oh. can you send us the image on the chat or yeah. just send it to us here we want to see it yeah is totally. it is it now that's did awesome. you post wait actually first of all did you post on your instagram because I,
2: I
5: did
4: is that your most job so
3: far
5: um yeah i
2: think so i, w- I would definitely say that's it's probably
4: yeah. oh shoot here it is here on 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 uh, sarah's official instagram sarah underscore gabriella sarah spelled s-e-r-a i gotta look her yeah.
1: up I gotta look you
3: it's up
4: actually, it's actually. Pinned. Wait, can you
1: just put that? Can you put it screen share? Share it in the chat because I'm too lazy to go looking on the internet.
4: <laughs> At Sarah Gabriella, what was it Instagram.com slash Sarah Gabriella? Instagram dot com slash Sarah Sarah underscore Gabriella. I think that's it. Yeah.
5: Oops. Oh, look. So-
1: put it on there. You, you're so close. You're so close.
4: I was so close, but no cigar, senor. No
1: cigar for you, senor. <laughs> All right. I'll just change that, drink, that S to an you know? A.
4: Yeah. Um, yes. <clears throat> check, it, check it out. Wow. That is a an accolade. That is amazing. And, of course, you can see a lot of amazing photos of Sarah Gabriela on her official Instagram. <laughs> Sarah Gabriela. <laughs> it's not Gabriela.
1: loading. Why isn't it loading? <laughs>
4: Ah. Is that right, Sarah? Is that the right URL? Instagram. dot com. Think so. Yeah. Instagram. dot com. Well, maybe, maybe oh, it's
1: it's, it. uh, that. Maybe it's yeah. all this fancy recording that we're doing that's bogging down my internet. Who knows? Ah.
4: <laughs> Hmm. yeah that is indeed the yep that's indeed the url the second one there uh
1: oh i know i'm just gonna open this in chrome isn't this fun everybody listening you're hearing like all this behind the scenes <laughs> bullshit <right laughs> <here>. this <laughs> is the fun part of the editing this is good radio right here that's that's what and, i'm
4: talking about sir uh, you were recently as a uh, part of uh local uh, dc news doing their morning segment right yes
2: yes Fox yes. Five for M.
4: five yeah fox five in in dc yeah Yes, yes. How was that experience?
5: It was fun. It was really fun to be a part of the news and model for H and M. It's such a great company.
4: Oh, and that's awesome. H and M, you can get some really great, great apparel, uh, clothes uh, for you know that look fashionable and pricey, but they're really not expensive at all. Very affordable. That's what H and M is known for. So, uh, very, very, very nice. And wow, that is an amazing billboard too. So yes, yeah, Sura. For every, I always have to pronounce it because it's not Sarah, but Sarah. Well, I,
1: I got the I got the the page you're looking for is in here from uh, Instagram, so I'm just gonna have to trust whatever you're saying right now.
4: Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I spelled correctly. So, <laughs> um, but um, that's Sarah. So you also have your TikTok, um, and uh, Facebook and all that, Everything's Sarah Gabriella, right? Yeah. Yes. All right, all right, Zod, you have an improv show um, early August, so
3: early August, yeah, yep, it is. Uh, we're doing the pretty flower, which people have no people who don't know improv. they have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's a fun format, and if you watched a show that uses it, you would recognize it because it's used in a lot of comedies. It's basically the idea of having a central central like usually quite grounded scene and then going off on tangents and pivots from it, but returning back to the grounded scene. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's been a
4: blast. Something, uh, something different. I like that. Yeah.
3: yeah, we've been doing like Harold stuff, and Harold might be something that no one has any idea what I'm talking about either. No,
1: no, I saw. Oh, I saw, I've that. heard of the Harold thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't need... tell you what it is, but I've heard of it. Okay, <laughs> you get
4: techniques in one of the 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 classes at, at the Baltimore Improv Group, right?
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. So this is this is really cool that we've been moving because like everybody who goes through like a, an improv like curriculum they usually are brought up doing the herald the herald is like the gold standard for improv but the thing is it gets it gets kind of stayed and it's like really really restrictive and with uh like because it's so you know even though it's improvised it's very very formulaic like how it's done so yeah doing this new new format is really cool i've been liking it
4: cool Last but not least, Art Hall. You have no. a TWD. That was disappointing. And so versus yep. Anything else you're promoting right now?
1: Nah, no, B. That's it.
4: That'll be it. All That's right, check, it. Check, out. Out,
1: check out the podcast. You can All hear right. us a lot more.
4: <laughs> you could you completely <laughs> drop the f-bomb oh say- i
1: i do on well, here occasionally i just haven't felt the the, the urge hasn't come to me <laughs> that's so yeah it know. was it was it was
3: funny because that's such a departure from uh from dean who was like earlier on the show
4: not, he says f you know he, doesn't he, said, say he said f the critics
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> he, doesn't he remind you of carlton a little bit. That's why I said he should have done the Carlton. Yeah, <laughs>
3: uh, he's a good guy. He's a
4: guy.
3: he's a fantastic guy. Yeah,
4: very very good guy.
3: But it's and, um, it, is, it is funny.
4: And uh, oh yeah, Sarah Gabriella is is uh she has a role in one of the Barcada DMV short films. The update is now the score is being composed now. So have an update on when we can see um, the latest Muhusai episode. And Sarah, you play a spa attendee. Yeah. Um, working on the uh, – doing a manicure of uh, our favorite uh, mom, Elaine Espinola, who uh, plays Marates in the Muhusais. So uh, hopefully when we can promote it. Um, but in the meantime, check out YouTube.com. Slash at Barkada DMV, B A R K A D A DMV, Virginia DMV. Uh, Check it out, official YouTube page. You can check out four films where you can see yours truly, and hopefully the fifth film with Sura Gabriella (laughs) will be upset. My favorite AMW. Can I give Art Hall credit for that term? What? Yeah. I mean, you can. Is that where it came from? Yes. Actress, oh. model, whatever. Amazing it's how awesome. uh, how quickly In I forget. In Los Angeles, every actress, model. Um, every girl, woman
1: you run into. Yes. They, they're always a multi-hyphenate is what i right.
4: say. Exactly, actress model, whatever. Yeah. You have
1: well, to be out. I, let me let me also. You, whenever you run into them out and about in the nighttime, that's that's where you really see them. I should clarify. And I don't run out and about anymore, so I don't. But I are, haven't met AMWs in a minute.
4: Back in the day, did we run into some AMWs or what?
1: We met a lot of them. Yeah, I met a lot. Yeah, Yep. Yeah. and it's usually said with remember. a bit of a with a bit of a giggle. So. <laughs>
4: we had some fun times our hall i enjoyed oh, yeah. in hollywood representing the west coast all right so let's wrap up tonight's show uh closing out tonight's show um yes our featured interview it was our final interview that we're presenting from the tribeca film festival guys one of my absolute favorites from the boys on amazon is aaron moriarty can plays starlight he's got a film called catching dust I talked to her and the, and the director, Stuart Gatt, briefly on the red carpet of, of Tribeca, and this is the, the highlight um, interview of the week. So listen, enjoy. Guys, on behalf of Art Hall, Woo! the podcaster extraordinaire, multi-talented actor, filmmaker, the improv extraordinaire, the Zadi, the Persian prince of pop culture, and the man with the calming presence, unless he forgets to call you back, like General Zad. And our favorite AMW, social media influencer, actress model, whatever. Sarah Snuffleupagus, Batman, and I'm Al Soto, guys. We will see you guys next week. Until then, Peace. peace. Guys, we're here with the beautiful, the stunning, the multi-talented Erin Moriarty here for this amazing film, Catching Dust. I can't wait to see it, first of all. Tell us about your role, please.
0: So this role, she's um, she's really interesting. I feel like I've definitely gravitated towards roles lately that that once you meet them, you want to put them in a box, but you can't, you learn that you can't really do that, and I think that's definitely the case with with Gina, with this character. She's in a really interesting point in her life where she has been feeling suppressed, in this case, by her relationship. But the thing that really drew me to the project is she's at an age where I feel like a lot of women have dealt with some sort of self-identity suppression it can even be self-inflicted right but for her it's like it comes out of her relationship and her circumstances and how she grew up in this small town in Texas Mm -hmm. and it's finding her identity um, even though everything is working against her for her not to and for her to continue to be suppressed so she at a relatively young age seeks outweigh is to break patterns because she simply knows that the way she's living is unsustainable.
4: Wow. Anything that you could pull from your personal life to apply to the role as yeah. method-style acting? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, listen, I definitely think that... that I definitely think that we've come s- such a long way, but we still have so far to go when yeah. it comes to whether it's women in the entertainment industry whether it's whether it's women in so many other industries i do feel like we th- there's a commonality with this self-pleasing self-pleasing sorry people pleasing aspect of our personalities because we do want everyone in the room to be happy we do want everyone to be satisfied but I, th- I found with myself and a lot of my other friends, there comes a point when you realize it's, it's, it's sort of, um, you make self-sacrifices along the way. And so I, too, have found myself suppressing my own identity. The weird thing is I was the one to blame in my case, um, but I very much related to what she goes through in the film and this need to just break out of that suppressive box. Um, so even though her situation is specific, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to it.
4: Wow, that's fantastic, what a mm. great response. Tell us about working closely with Jai Courtney as your scene mm. partner.
0: Jai is the best, and I'm mm. not just saying that. He's, <laughs> um, it's really cool because we're very different in terms mm-hmm. of our approaches, we're very different as actors and so he balances me out so well and I hope it's vice versa but all I know is is I can be more neurotic, I can be more of a prep fiend and he is just so present and he demands my presence and he also is just, you know, I've said this over and over again but I'll keep saying it, he's such a warm, good, supportive human being, he's exactly what you would want out of a scene partner. So you feel so safe to be so vulnerable and, and, and that's really what it's about, you, like we have to go to such vulnerable places for this yeah. film, so so really kind of checked all the boxes in that sense.
4: Wow, fantastic. Yeah. You're working with a great director, with Stuart, yes. who's a Brit but yes. writing about Texas, mm-hmm. so I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Tell us about being directed by the great yeah. Stuart.
0: Yeah, he's wonderful. He's He's just got this way of communicating with actors, and I feel like it stems from... I think he's a very sympathetic and empathetic human being, and I think he's very intuitive. And I think that often directors need to learn how to study each actor and what they need. Do you know what I mean? It's very specific to each actor, and he has that skill. And he's also, like, he works really hard. He's a good human being, and so he attracts, like, really awesome people. But it's really... He writes really well. He's really collaborative. Mm-hmm. He's he directs really well and he's got a strong image of what he wants and yet he doesn't have the ego to push against collaboration. So it's that perfect amalgamation love and he's it. a joy. He's I just I can't wait to see what he continues open to do. Open to your
4: ideas too, right? Yes,
0: very open. Collaborative, very very, yes. very collaborative, which was I so, love fun. That. so fun, so fun.
4: Got to talk a little bit about Boys. It's uh-huh. my favorite show. Oh my god. Well, it's been the highlight for season 3
0: season Brilliant. three highlight I mean season three highlight I feel like would have been quitting the seven because I feel mm-hmm. like it's that the show has been building up to that moment of me quitting the seven mm-hmm. um, and then also that just poses like we just finished our most recent season season four mm-hmm. and, and what it,
4: can we expect oh in, my in, in God. so many words
0: I'm I know like it the funny thing is if I say anything in detail I'm gonna get shot down by some <laughs> Amazon snipers um, when people ask me that, like I, I, I lose my speech because I don't know how to mentally. Like, that's a one. That's gonna be crazy. You would think that we wouldn't be able to like continue to outdo ourselves each season in every single way, but we have.
2: Okay.
0: Like I, I, I yes. can't go into detail because it's just like, I, it's ineffable. You know what I mean? I will say that 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 it it, it remains, it maintains its character-driven. Um, it's character-driven. Component, Mm. but the circumstances and the stakes just get higher and higher, and it it gets crazier and crazier.
4: And we can't wait to see it. Thank you so much. much. Guys, we're here with director, writer, producer of Catching Dust, the one and the only Stuart Gatt. How does it feel to have your film have an exclusive premiere here at
7: Tribeca? It's good. I mean it feels better that you call me the one and only. Honestly amazing man. I mean like I'm from a working class family in, in, in London, like where I come from, people don't really get to this stage, man. It feels a lot to overcome yes. this man. So I'm I feel very blessed. Very blessed. So
4: as the writer of this project, tell us about your inspiration and, and
7: coming up with a story. It's, I think that kind of growing up like I did, you you look for a lot of escapism, and it kind of made me a bit of a daydreamer, and mm-hmm. um, I definitely didn't grow up in a desert in West Texas, but I think that maybe in my mind, escaping yeah. there was a nice place to be, so... So yeah. how did you get references from Texas being a Brit? I went, so oh, yeah. I've done a lot of re- as much research as I could in London, which is very difficult. YouTube's a great resource, by the way. But yes. I was lucky enough to visit the Big Bend in West Texas, and that, was, that, that helped me kind of, I think, glean over some of the nuances that I may be missing in the story. So. Very nice. Yeah.
4: It's also about assembling the cast with Jai Courtney and Aaron Moriarty. Did you have them in mind from the beginning? Did you go through an audition process with other actors? How did that go down?
7: Actually, it was, it was, I had a lot of meetings, and those two really just stood out. You know, they really... Mm-hmm. Within a couple of minutes of, of, of meeting them, mm-hmm. you could feel the characters in them. You could feel that they understood the material, and it was really an easy choice from there.
4: Nice. Now, after this premiere, where will the world be able to see Catching Dust? And where do you prefer for the audience to see this film?
7: In the theatre, for sure. I mean, we shot this thing on 35mm. Not many films at our budget level are doing that. And I feel like um, we live in an era now where there's a lot of white noise, and if you really want and appreciate cinema in its truest form, you need to watch it in the theatre. Stuart Gat guys Can't wait to watch your film Thank
4: We you, look forward man. to seeing it, Thank you so, so see it. it. Thank, Thank you so much I
1: appreciate it Thank you Well It has been a ill show tonight And I think we have all learned Some valuable lessons
4: This is your
2: bot For the bad
1: boys Of Baltimore saying Until next time Keep chilling Like a villain